listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 71. And this week, my friend and fellow horseman of the podcast Apocalypse, Cheyenne of the band Trivax, is making his return to the podcast. Uh, probably about, I think it's been about a year since his last time as well, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and this is um, going alongside the release of uh, Cheyenne of their new album, Trivax's new album, um, Elua Burns Out on Colt Never Dies. So that album just came out um, in the last week or so. And um, uh, we had recorded this like, you know, a few months ago, but uh, it's coming out now. Um, we do talk about some about the album, um, and we get off on a lot of other topics. Um, if you're a fan of Cheyenne's podcast, Iblis Manifestations, I think you'll have an idea of the type of topics we talk about here, but, um, it was a good, great conversation. It's always great talking to Cheyenne. Um, hopefully we'll be doing another one soon, um, like maybe for Iblis Manifestations. We haven't, but yeah, we'll see how that, where that goes, but always a pleasure talking to Cheyenne and, um. And yeah, I mean, everybody needs to go check out Ella Burns Out. It's definitely going to be on my top list for the year. It's a fucking killer album. And uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely be playing some uh, some tracks from the album tonight as well, or today, or whenever you're listening to this before the interview, and then at the end as well. Um, so yeah, so what's going on this week? Um, I'm going to get it, do my plugs, and then we'll get into the interview. So like I said, I'm uh, we Cheyenne and I are both part of a gang of... Uh, podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. Every ever every other Monday you have Horwolf Six 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 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday you have Into the Necrosphere of Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday you have Everything Went Black with uh, Mike Hill. And Mike and I do a uh, collaborative project called Darkness Weaves, which goes between Everything Went Black and Soul Knox, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. So we'll have a special. Uh, Halloween episode out and everything went black at the end of the month, so keep your eyes open for that. Uh, Thursdays, Mike Hill returns of Necromaniacs with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. Uh, Fridays, you got the artist formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, uh, now known as Spitball Media. And again, at intermediate times, you have Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. So yeah, so that's the horseman. Please go follow everybody. Share the podcast with your friends um, on, you know, Instagram or whatever. You can follow us all on social media and everything. You can follow me under my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. Um, which also the Instagram acts as kind of the landing page for both the podcast and the and the radio station. And we have shows every Tuesday and Thursday nights live. Um, Tuesdays is called Darklands. It's uh, black metal, death metal, dark ambient. The show Thursday is called The Upstairs Room, and it's a uh, dark wave, goth, post punk stuff like that. Both shows uh, start streaming at 11 p.m. Mountain Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at DenverUndergroundRadio.com, and on our Instagram you can see all the set lists that we've done. You can uh, get links to the Spotify playlists. And, uh, yeah, you can see all the stuff about the podcast as well. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. $2 a month, you get two to four bonus episodes a month. I just released one about Dracula, uh, my Dracula series I'm doing, which was um, about the first two Hammer movies, 
with my friend Joe. I got um, another one coming later this month with Matt Prizo about the next two Hammer movies. And I got other stuff in the works for the, for the Patreon. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so yeah, patreon.com forward slash Solnox podcast. And so um, also later this week, we'll be getting the first of a two-part um so um, Joe and I do a series, uh, Satanism and Spirituality, which is a recurring monthly one on the podcast. And uh, our next two episodes are going to be dedicated to the work of Glenn Danzig, and particularly uh, pr- pr- uh, the Danzig pro- out band. Um, we're not. We do kind of touch up on in the first episode uh, the kind of what happened, you know, before going into Danzig. But yeah, it's a really deep deep dive into Danzig and the kind of satanic ideas of the first four on this episode that's coming out this week. And then on Day of the Dead, November 2nd, there'll be um, the second episode coming out, which is going to be about Danzig 5 up to Death Red Sabbath. And yeah, we literally go track by track through each album. Uh, Very, very long episode, um, very in-depth about Danzig albums the productions, um, the ideas in them. So if you're a Danzig fan, you're gonna you're gonna like the episodes coming out this week, I uh, guarantee you. I guarantee. So <laughs> alright, but um let's get into the episode with Cheyenne. Um so yes we got uh Elwa Burns Out and I'm gonna play the Serpent's Gaze. Um and then uh yeah we'll hear another we'll hear another song at the end of the podcast so hope you guys enjoy hail satan
Welcome back to the podcast, Cheyenne. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, I think, a little over a year, right? Uh, since the last time you came on, some about a year. I was thinking that I, I'm not too sure when it was, but I think you are right. I think it might have been around maybe September, October last year. I mean, how long has it been since you've had Solnox going now? Solnox been going over over a year, and uh, yeah, because let's see, I had um, Kyle's episode last last year was in the first week of September or something like that. But obviously I had him on. And so I think, I don't remember if I had you on before or after him last year, but uh, I think it might've been after, but uh, yeah, so probably about a year. I mean, this episode will go out and um, I'm going to put it out in early October, right? Right around like, cause the album comes out in October, correct? So it's, so uh our album uh, yeah Eloa burns out comes out on 29th of September so pretty much just right at the end of it right at the cusp of the uh between the two months yeah yeah so I was like I'll put it, this will come out in October so to right after it comes out so you kind of help uh, promote the album and um which is what we'll get into so yeah I think it's been about a year since we talked last so Sure, man. I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I've uh, I've been enjoying uh, some of what you've been doing with the podcast. It's cool to see how it's grown in the last year or so. And uh, I was actually just listening to uh, the last one that you did with our mutual friend Kyle. You know, that was a good conversation. As always, I think he's he's super easy to talk to. You know, and I'm looking forward to uh, maybe even having him back on Ableist Manifestations at some point. You know, so um, yeah, yeah definitely. congratulations. You know, and thanks for having me back. Yeah, thank you, man. And be, it's been a, you. You started Iblis. I don't. I don't know how. It was probably like what. It was around the same year, but what like about three or four months before I started Solonox, I think. Right. Right. So you've been growing Iblis manifestations as well for the past uh, year and a half as well. So 
you know? Yeah, I think Iblis, uh, when I, if I'm correct, so obviously the very first episodes for Iblis were all solo episodes. And uh, I think the first one, which I did on those paranormal stories came out, I think something like 3rd or 4th of March, 2020, right. I think 2022. Yeah, right. that, that's when uh, Iblis Manifestations first came out as a podcast form. I already published it back in 2021. And the idea goes back even you know further back, you know, but it's just like sometimes, you know, uh, when you're sort of nurturing something in your mind and then by the time it actually makes it into the, uh, the physical realm or the third dimension, it kind of takes a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, that's that was the uh, sort of the initial inception of Iblis Manifestations. Yeah. So yeah, that's grown a lot over as well. I mean, you've posted about yeah. it. Like, you've had a lot, got a lot of listeners, and you know, like a lot of great guests and people, like even like people, John from Incantation, and you know, it's pretty awesome. It's fucking crazy, man. Like I honestly would have never thought it would be like this. I mean, I I looked the other day, and I think uh, in total, Iblis has probably, I think at this point, has had over like uh, I think fifty or sixty thousand listens or downloads in total which to me is is fucking wild that that many people would even want to hear me talk you know obviously not all of them were there <laughs> were there just to listen to me of course but i think uh yeah yeah it's it's really interesting man and it's been uh, it's been what a fucking you know it's one of them things it always makes me think uh, you know a lot of what you do in life if not everything that you do in life at the end of the day is a skill and this whole podcasting thing is a skill that I, I never thought would be as beneficial as it is because, uh, and I'm sure you'll probably relate to this having had Solnox for the last year or so, but it's basically, it's um, it's like one of the best networking tools you could ever have. Uh, and, and not only it aids you in that sense, but it also just helps you it almost forces you to become better at socializing, which I know in the realm of black metal is not like the most accessible skill to many of us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I find that like since I've had the podcast, I I make better connections with people in general, you know, on and off camera. And, and I think that's been one of the most valuable things I've taken away from it. Obviously, besides the fact that I've had the honor and and the opportunity to speak to so many people i've looked up to over the years you know uh you know it's everyone i've had on the show i'm i'm a fan of to some extent you know and then it's and then a lot of those relationships have always kind of like uh bled into after the episodes you know and then you know i've had so many like exchanges of like merch and albums and things like that with people who i considered legends over the years and it's it's just a fucking it's such a cool sort of unexpected outcome to um to have that sort of um i guess equal placement in a sense like like a in, in a social sense with with people i've looked up to over the years you know and it's sort of been i guess uh, reaffirming on, on a lot of my own values and on where I stand as a person as well. So it's been really cool, man. I've I've really enjoyed the experience so far. Yeah, I would agree with the idea of like um I think that doing a podcast is a very good tool for for you know networking, getting to know people like gets you out of your out of your shell if you kinda have a tendency to kind of get like kind of like insular with like who you talk to and everything like uh which I had been for a long time and 
uh, I was starting to break out of that before I started podcast. The podcast was really like that impetus to like, no, let's push out of like this and, you know, really be, you know, like not be, not be afraid to go just message people like and talk to people that you don't know. And like, you know, like, uh, which I didn't have, I, I wasn't like that when I was younger, like when I was a teenager, when I was first starting to make music and stuff, I used to like just, you know, email people and talk to whoever and you know what i mean like it was a lot, i had a lot more of that kind of outgoing quality and then i think i got kind of self-conscious in my 20s where i kind of got more insular whereas you're kind of like you get kind of self-conscious about reaching out to people and i had to kind of like overcome that and then be like no fuck, fuck that like you know i'm gonna you know talk to people and like uh doing the podcast really helps push that push you out of that and i made a lot so many good friends with doing the podcast and uh it's really great you know because it's like i uh, meet people and they're they're cool and i'm like yeah let's come on podcast and talk and kind of make a make a friendship you know what i mean that's pretty cool yeah I, th I think that's exactly what it is you know you're sort of uh you're making connections with people on uh, on an equal level you know where it's like um after a show for example if you want to uh, sorry, man. By the way, just to just to interrupt there quickly, I think there's a there's a loose wire on your mic. It's making a little bit of a buzzing noise. It's it's at the bottom. There it is. I can hear it. Thought I would tell you now, just so you don't have cool. to panic about it so much later. Is that better? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's better. I think it's it's the bottom of the XLR. So when you're moving it around, it's make okay. it's make actually it's making a bit of noise now. I don't know uh, yeah, if that's. Sometimes I just have to. I have to get a different mic cable because it doesn't quite fit into the mic right. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I have to unplug it, like, and plug it back in. It's making like a buzzing noise coming through, but hang on. I think I think it's okay now. Right? Yeah, I think it's okay. okay. Do you want to just check again so I can make sure? I yeah, I think I can hear you as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm not being a control freak here. I just know the panic of finishing the episode, listening back to it, and then hearing something like that and being like, "Fuck, what is this?" Yeah, when it gets <laughs> gets kind of bad, and you're like, "What is going on?" Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I got this mic cable, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like it's pretty cheap on Amazon." And I got it, and I was like, it "Doesn't quite fit." kind of like wiggles a little bit in the mic in the microphone you're like god damn it you know <laughs> Actually, i think i think it's coming back man it is it's coming back and forth whilst we're talking have you got another one by any chance no i don't have another one i'm just gonna have to kind of try uh, to deal with it okay yeah hopefully this, as long as it doesn't get too bad where it cuts out yeah maybe maybe try holding it like higher up so you're not touching the cable maybe that that might be what's doing it is that better I think it seems okay now. That that might have been all it was. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think if you've got a dodgy connection, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you can feel free to edit this out. You know, I'm producing Zolnox for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. I, well, the thing is, I can't hear it like when I'm recording. So it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's good. Yeah, that, that's good, man. Oh, no problem. Well, obviously, I'm gonna look out for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, back to what we were saying. Uh, yeah, it's really cool because you know, like when you're doing it. Like, let's say, for example, if you want to go up to someone who's just played a gig, uh, let's say you're a fan of that person or a follower, whatever, whatever you want to put it, you know, like it doesn't have to be like this pretentious thing. But a lot of times when someone's just played a show, they're in a weird fucking headspace because I know I am when I've played a show and I come off stage, I do try my best to be reasonable, but it's hard, you know, because you've literally just fucking gone to war, you know, in your own mind, you know, you've gone to war not just against the whole world, but against yourself, you know, and it's a very beautiful 
also very explosive and very emotional experience so it's not really easy to just come off stage and then just have a normal conversation with someone and i always find that when i come off of stage i'm very sensitive to people's energies so uh, i don't I, i sometimes don't even so much like it if someone comes up to me and shakes my hand unless they're i can see that they're well-meaning you know i don't want to i find sort of I don't feel like I'm vulnerable, but I just feel like I'm very susceptible to other people's energies when I come off of stage. You know, I'm in this weird sponge mode, spiritually speaking. And it's sort of like I want to I want to be in a state where I'm only surrounded by people who I trust, you know, who have who have a good energy about them, you know, and 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 that energy and that vibe, I mean that actually like quite in a literal sense almost. But you know, that's why um it's the same when uh, let's say you watch another band that you really enjoy it's kind of you, you can see people going through similar things so it's kind of awkward just going up to someone right after a show saying wow what a fucking killer performance and you're hyped up you know and when your energy levels and emotions are so high it's really difficult to have a normal conversation with someone you know that's coherent and and is and has room to get deep does that make sense you know whereas uh when you're when you're having a podcast you know you kind of tend to catch people when they're when they're already in their own thoughts in a way because especially as a lot of artists are you know when 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 you're going through your day-to-day life you're sort of you might go to work and then you might have ordinary mundane things to do like i don't know just going shopping or or whatever or changing the the cat's little litter tray or whatever you know but in your own mind you're sort of in this deep zone of just going through ideas and things like that or at least that's certainly the case with myself and then sort of um i feel like transitioning from that into a scenario where a conversation can be a podcast format where you can be a lot deeper and more detailed is a lot more reasonable than you would at a show so um i think that's another thing that that's really cool about the podcasting thing it just sort of breaks down all of those barriers and then really allows you to get a bit deeper into what's actually going on yeah i agree with that yeah because yeah after the show is usually not the best time to really talk to people because you know it's like you can always be like oh hey what's up but it's like unless you're unless like say the band plays early and they have got time to cool down and kind of get back to themselves you know what i mean and like later on you can talk to each other right but like when a band's just gotten off stage it's generally not a good time to be talking to people which i think a lot of people don't realize they you know i could like when i used to play live a lot like I don't know. I get in this like state where I don't really, really want to talk to anybody. Like after you get done, a lot of people would see that as being like I'm being an asshole or something. Like no, I just don't want to talk to people really. Like when I get get done playing, because you're like putting like a lot of energy into it and everything. And I get kind of in this like headspace where it's like, yeah, like I'm not very yeah. outgoing at sh- uh, when I go to like when I'm playing a show. You know what I mean? Like it's just not how I am. So like. But yeah, well, if you get, get get me on we're talking like this, it's it's a whole different matter. You know what I mean? It's like you know that that's exactly what it is. It's not being antisocial, but it's more so that it's it's a difficult thing to try and put into words. You know, and obviously you can get better at this as years go by. I I know I certainly have become more skilled at it, as I sort of said earlier. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm always willing to just come out come out and then have a conversation straight away after, but my cooldown periods sort of improved over time, you know, but it's sort of like, 
you know, for, I mean, I guess not everyone performs music the same way, but at least for me personally, and I know many of probably our mutual friends and also people who've been on this podcast, it's such a, it's such a profound and emotional and fucking intense experience where you've just gone there and then you've put your heart and soul out in front of people on a fucking plate. And, you know, that's your whole thing. And then, you know, sometimes that's just not compatible with someone who's drinking a beer coming up to you and then having a casual conversation about something else. Because to you, that moment is about you and, and what you've just done with your bandmates and the, and, and, the, and the full energy and the power of the audience. And, uh, and unless something or someone that's coming to me is going to be about that, I fucking can't stand, you know, like I, I don't do small talk after a situation like that. Like, yeah, yeah you know let me go cool down and then and then we'll do our thing and then later maybe i'll have a conversation that's more normal and about other stuff but when that show has happened all i'm focused on is is just the band and and what we have achieved and and what i've done uh, as an artist rather than you know and just being grateful and just having those kind of emotions and energy surrounding me rather than having someone else you know with you know with a fucking beer in their hand coming up to me and then being like oh you know so what did you think of this new black metal release like go fuck yourself i don't care about that <laughs> you know, that's, like, that's the last thing on my mind right now you know so there's a time and place for everything and and uh and yeah that's um that's that's a very special time you know after, after the show so I, I don't want to pollute it with anything else yeah particularly if you're in a state where you're kind of channeling some type of other force through yourself as you're playing like mm. i find that a lot of times i kind of get in this this other type of mindset which is almost kind of unhuman and so i kind of have a hard time until i readjust the humanity or kind of like have a hard time like kind of like with all these like mundane bullshit things that people talk about like you know what i mean like and that, that includes like when i'm making music like writing music as well i try to get in that mindset and it's kind of like it's a different from you know, it's like a different type of part of ourselves or, you know, even channeling some type of exterior force through yourself. And, you know, like, I don't know, I, that, that was always my problem is you get in this kind of almost unhuman type of mindset and then you kind of have to like, okay, now let's get back into normal, normal human, human mode. And you're kind of like, uh, it can, it can be a, it's a skill definitely to try to like turn, learn how to toggle those off and on, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's the reptilian part of your brain, you know. That's the that's the same part of your psychology that you're using that you would do if you were to go to war, or you know, it's it's all it like it activates your fight or flight instinct being on stage, you know, and uh, and then we can talk about how this then can open the door to spiritually being able to project certain things into the uh, the physical realm and the things that just flow through your entire body you know we can talk about the kundalini energy that sort of can sometimes get activated that did you feel these fucking fierce vibrations that unlock throughout your body where your body starts shaking and you can't control it you know other than just like let it flow and there's a lot of very powerful elements to performing a live show that is in the right setting with the right intent with the right people of course and uh, and and more most importantly with the right music you know um which for me Trivex's music absolutely does that 
which is why I, <laughs> you know, whenever I, I join some other band, you know, uh, like it's fun for a minute and then I always end up leaving, you know, because none of them do for me what Trivex does, which is just this fucking powerful thing. And, and, and a lot of it is designed on purpose, you know, to create those experiences, not just for not just for me, not just for the band, but for the audience and for the listeners, you know, not even in the live setting, but also in their own solitude, you know, that's there to, you know, like a song like Serpent's Gaze, you know, it's like, it's the simplest riff I could have ever fucking come up with, but there's something behind that song and the structure of it and the, and the way it flows, that it unlocks things in your, uh, I believe in the subconsciousness, which can then even bleed into the consciousness, which are, uh quite fascinating really you know but um these sort of ignitions i think create for the uh higher possibilities of spiritual experiences or awakenings or whatever you want to call it you know we can get into the esoteric side of it but there's a there's a lot going on there rather than just playing some riffs and having a good time really yeah exactly yeah and uh, in in any uh kind of more draconian type of spiritual tradition like the the base of the spine you know that that kind of you know serpent brain part of us is the gateway to the other side in that, that sense as well so you definitely need to like when you like kind of bring you know awareness of that and activate that you know that's that's activating into these types of forces and yeah i, I think that you know like um for me, the most powerful music is stuff that can kind of create that 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 feeling when you're listening to it, or yeah. And I I feel like that with Trivax, like you mentioned, Serpent's Gaze definitely has that feeling. Like, and um, I figure we could get into talking a little bit about the new album as well now, like since we brought that up, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The um, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of them, man. You know, it's. Uh... Like I said, there's a lot that goes into it and, and the creation of it, you know, but even just quickly before we fully get into the album, in the case of Serpent's Case as well, uh, obviously I did an episode on Ableist where I fully in detail talked about the details of how that song even fucking came about, you know, it's like just an hour of me talking about <laughs> this weird sort of um, um, almost borderline paranormal experience of like where this riff even came from, you know, and then that uh, harmony part in the middle, which is this really weird time sort of not the time signature, but the number of bars, you know, like it goes in like uh, it's in seven bars, and then that keeps going in loops, and then it creates this weird serpentine kind kind of a thing. But like even that, you know those energies that we're talking about and the things that the music can carry that's not something that you can force it's only something that you can sort of leave yourself open to and sort of susceptible and then eventually sometimes it might it might answer your call you know and uh, it's a it's a very powerful thing and i remember like with the case of serpent's case i remember obviously i know we can talk about these things openly on this podcast but you know i remember when i was listening back to that the uh, harmony section that's in the middle of the song closing my eyes and actually seeing this sort of serpent like figure staring back at me through the fire and uh, it was almost like a like a sober psychedelic experience you know it was this weird thing where i was half awake half asleep but sort of half a little bit somewhere else you know and i did obviously so I did create an environment which that was possible, but 
you know, it's funny that that same melody is still with us now. And whenever we play it live, it's one of the most powerful things that happens to me personally. I can't speak, for, obviously, from behalf of the audience, but you've probably seen videos of it. You know, I'm not like making up or acting just for the sake of theatrics. You know, it's simply like I am going through this fucking extreme <laughs> vehicle of spirituality through fucking space when when sometimes these things happen you know and you feel it you feel it going through your spine you know these like electric shocks that just make your fucking eye roll back to your head and you feel the power you feel a degree of power that's more than just you know like oh i can deadlift like 200 kilos no this is a different kind of power <laughs> you know it's it's something else like you could you could shake the world with that same power and it's uh it's magic really you know like as it almost feels weird talking about it but I, I know it i think i know it well enough at this point to um acknowledge it at the very very least of it all without right. without spoiling it by talking about it too much either really Right, because it's it's something that that happens. Yeah, you just like you can talk about it and everything, but it it doesn't change the fact that it's like a real experience you have and a real feeling that comes in through the music. You know, and exactly. Yes. We, anytime you get in, one thing that I think is funny is that I think that when we get into like real deep meditative states, you can have the same type of experiences as psychedelic experiences, but just within these type of meditative zones of, of being you know like in my opinion like i've had plenty of experiences where in just deep meditation states where they they rival any type of like uh psychedelic experience people could have you know what i mean where it's so real and visceral like because you get such a deep like t level of trance and uh like um in some ways like i think that it, that it is a it's almost maybe even better. Like I feel like the uh, psychedelic experience would be good for a lot of people, but it can be help open the doors for people. But I think it's really good to be able to manage to bring that upon yourself through your own body, as opposed to you know like using psychedelics or something. I think the like if you can like get in such a deep state of trance through your own action, I think that's a really powerful thing. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, that is very true that you can have, you know, whatever it is that, let's say, LSD or psilocybin can offer. Um, although, of course, those two are still very different from one another compared to other substances. They're probably also very similar at the same time. Um, you know, because obviously psychedelic experiences can be so fucking... Um, just broad you know like we always just look at them as oh it's drugs it's like yeah they're they're all very fucking different yeah you know? uh like obviously from i'm, I'm speaking you know if, if you want to look at it from an untrained perspective but you know uh, i think that those are those effects are things that you can um achieve with um just pure meditation you know if, if you wanted to focus your whole life just on your breathing techniques and just on things like that. I mean, you have monks that spend 30 years on top of a fucking mountain in Nepal, and all they do is just breathe. And obviously, the skill that you're going to get from that, you know, where these guys can literally change the certain parts of their body's temperatures just by command, just by breathing, just by their focus, you know, you can only imagine the kind of spiritual um, leverage, let's say, that these people can have 
But at the same time, I think what psychedelics do is that they sort of bridge the gap a lot quicker, but naturally you also have a lot less control over them. Right. Yeah. And that that's that's where they can also become dangerous. But then again, also very humbling, you know, just to let you know, like, listen, motherfucker, we know that you think you know everything, but you don't. And let's, you know, let's you know, like it's just like sit back down kind of thing. They're kind of like a lot of uh, bad trips can have that kind of effect on people. I mean, for me personally, I've been, obviously, any people who've heard me talk about this before know, you know, and most of my close friends are aware of this, but I don't drink any alcohol. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke weed uh, anymore. Uh, and uh, I don't do any psychedelics either. Um, well, I did just recently smoke DMT, you know, so that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a hypocritical statement, you know, and it was a very fucking great experience, but which I'm grateful for. Uh, but um, you know, uh, the thing of it is that um, I like keeping a clear mind, you know, because I, I feel like there were parts of my life in the past where, sort of, when LSD got introduced to my life, it just sort of crushed my ego in such a way that was like i was basically like a raw human and uh and it took me a very long time to try and build that back up and actually like sort of remember who i am but also figure out who i am at the same time you know and then try and sort of build this thing together you know so uh which is sort of like you can think of it like this um you know, whether it's with your spirituality or your ego uh, it takes i think it takes a lot of courage to go through your whole life but then at some point eventually accept the fact that just like a broken bone that never healed properly sometimes you just have to break that bone again and then wait for it to heal back properly you know and that that same principle i feel can apply to our own personality and our own ego our own securities you know what helps us define ourselves and i feel that that's uh that's something that can take years and years and years you know and I, I certainly feel like i'm still in the process of that but um at least i have some uh some very vague and and thin layer of security knowing that at the very least i'm making an attempt to better myself in that realm if that makes sense and um i think i think that's powerful but it's very difficult and and i don't think anyone is is um able to survive that degree of sort of breaking everything down the way that you know it yeah it's very difficult to to deal with that you know like if you go through a real uh happy negretto phase where you're like everything's kind of broken down and you know even the meaning of life is somehow kind of you know like called into question and just like everything's like tore down uh it can take a long time to get back get your feet back on the ground and get back get yourself back together and you know like it can take years you know, for, and i mean that's that was my experience as well but uh you know. yeah what was your experience like did you have like a psychedelic one or was there like a particular event in your life that sort of led you down that path no it was it, yeah what definitely wasn't psychedelic it was like a spiritual definitely spiritual path uh you know like a very like I was at a point like um you know intense focus of of the whole spi whole spiritual path and very I was at a real high state of like ability in terms of mental ability uh you know really getting into these types of trance states and ex all this kinds of stuff like um but I had this uh this vision that 
I needed to reconstruct my life essentially. Um, and, uh, and so I did so and, um, you know, basically like changed the entire life and, uh, you know, like left persons with, and, you know, went off and, uh, had to kind of rebuild, but I had this kind of, um, in the midst of that process, um, kind of willing Negretto, I had this, uh, ex experience of, uh, which almost, I guess could be considered a type of psychedelic experience where I was out, um, on, um, was on, on the, the, the train and I was like staring off into the, in, into this like real deep meditative state. And I had this experience, which is hard to describe into words, but, uh, where you kind of see through everything essentially into the heart of everything. And, um, you realize that that words and symbols and things like this like are you know they're expressions of of the underlying thing that is wordless that is nameless that you can't put any type of expression to like as far as like everything around us like what what everything is um which uh kind of corresponds to the idea of 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 uh of um um in a Lacanian sense, would be the uh, confrontation of the real, or you know, like Kami would talk about the uh, confrontation of the absurd, absurdity of existence, that kind of thing. Like where, when you break things down to this point, you you have a peek behind the the mirror and you kind of see the real world. Uh, it can be very, or the real what's going on underneath the surface. It can be very uh, shocking experience, I think, for a lot of people, and um, on a kind of deeper way that you can't put into words and having this experience then uh helped me to kind of understand a lot more about how things work around the world and how the underlying mechanisms around us and um i don't know it kind of like the psychological effect of it was something that 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 uh i didn't take into account too much before I went into all this, right? Uh, that you have to kind of understand that the meat brain uh, has its own form of psychology that you have to kind of understand. And so yeah. I kind of had to put the brakes in, on some of this and, and try to figure some certain things out. And um, I kind of had a period where I was like, literally kind of feeling like lost in the w w wasteland. Like, so for me personally, I believe that our inner self often is actually, uh, in some type of particularly in those type of situations your inner self is actually in some type of journey on some other level where you close your eyes and you're like i can see like this like wasteland you know like it's like somehow that's like what where part of you is 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 in this wasteland you're like traveling across it and then, then it's like the case of the it's like the case of hermes and the dragon yeah and like you i in my inner so my inner state was kind of like this sense of crossing this wasteland and then uh it's kind of funny that to bring like this but i mean other people have mentioned this type of stuff as well who are on this kind of spiritual paths where your inner state can sometimes be dislocated from your from your outer in a way where uh you're going through some type of soul soul journey um in a, a real way that you have no control over like you literally or you just have to write it out, you know, like, and, uh, I, and it was literally like, I went through like this kind of soul journey, like over a period of a few of years where I was like on this wasteland. And then it was like, you know, uh, 
you have to descend like the abyss and find the deepest, darkest part of the abyss. And then you like integrate that abyss within yourself. And then suddenly like everything kind of relocks together and you have this kind of, it's a salve a clagula. That's the salve part where you're like, diso- you're bilocated, mm-hmm. you're separated. It's all, you know, it's all there in alchemy. Um, and then when you finally like re- reach the blackest of the black, then you kind of, uh, return and coagulate and then these two things reconnect and at a certain point i had that expression of like okay i'm back to life but i had literally uh, uh a long it was a long period of time where i was like in this kind of inner wasteland like kind of experience like of the uh, negretto and then like uh yeah which which like took up like right the end of my 20s into like start everything started coming together like as i hit my early 30s and and i was able to eventually kind of get myself back and and the weirdest part about it was a feeling of like um having to remember things like that i would knew but for some reason in that experience you you couldn't quite remember like or you couldn't quite you know you had to kind of remember who you who you are in a way you know what i mean like uh yeah and like that's the whole part of it like i i found myself like where uh, things that once had meaning to me, I had no meaning anymore because like, I felt like it was like pointless, you know, to like ex- express any, to like have interest in certain things and other things like had more meaning than it did before. And yeah, eventually you had to kind of like figure out what, what, because in my opinion, part of that experience is you're, you're, uh, you're emulating the, uh, the kind of, um, base, uh, parts of ourselves uh and uh you have to kind of reconnect with the uh the eternal part of ourselves and then understand in the integration process alongside the integration of the abyss like what what that what this new new being that you are is you know like but yeah all this like Absolutely. probably rather uh, abstract for some people who haven't experienced that but yeah it, a lot of it's very related to the idea of alchemy like i remember a big part of the thing that helped me understand what was going on was through reading a lot of um uh, I read like as much as about alchemy as it could be a young um, Joseph Vola's hermetic tradition, you know, like uh, all those kinds of stuff. And also uh, Joseph Campbell had a book called the masks of God, masks of God, which deals a lot with these types of ideas. Um, and uh, the kind of midway through your life, this kind of journey that you go through hell, which happens to a lot of people yeah. and is presented even in Dante's Inferno. Big part of that mm-hmm. too is related to the idea of the quest of the grail, you know, and uh, yeah, Joseph Campbell d- talks about a lot of this in that book. And I remember f- finding that book, reading, and I mean, I had read it when I was younger and didn't quite understand it. But reading it when you're like 31 and in the midst of this type of transformation, like you like go, okay, like I get this now, you know? <laughs> mm. It's very interesting, man. I mean, if you really want to simplify it, it, it's basically just tapping into your shadow part, basically, you know? And I think um, I, what you're saying there, I actually totally relate to that too, because that's very much what I feel like I've gone through in, in a lot of my life. But I don't feel like it's so much the, I mean, not that the prediction's mine to make, but it doesn't feel like that's so much the necessarily the end goal or the direction. But it feels like it's like a necessary part of the journey, you know, because it's like a lot of things that I've been through, you know, things that, I perhaps dreaded going through at the time were probably necessary 
for me to uh, experience and and just get a better understanding of the world in general you know and i feel like you know there's so many different things i mean if you want to just observe this there's so many different uh, facets to it you can look at this from the perspective of astrology you can uh, you know like uh, like what your north node is and things like that you know and your past life and like these things you know obviously i don't live my life by them but i find them super interesting because they're almost always accurate you know and um if, if in fact probably always accurate uh, as far as my experience is concerned you know and it, you know and, and i'm not speaking just from the point of view of re- relativity but rather just how specifically accurate certain things can be you know and it, it's a it's a tool at the end of the day to get to know yourself and your life better but i also feel like you know um i feel like as human beings we're these um we're these vehicles where we are capable of doing so much more than we are already doing and i think that realizing that potential takes a lot of time and it takes uh it takes a lot of um soul searching not just uh you know and and this is soul searching that you got to do in your own individual way but i feel like the the greater soul searching aspect of it probably doesn't that probably needs to be in a group where everyone's done their own and then we unite together and then move as as humanity as a whole and uh and i think that there's a very underrated physical element to this so uh so i can tell you from my own experience that um obviously i have a unique predisposition of not living in the country that i was born in uh also you know so in a sense you know like i'm ripped away of my initial identity in that sense right and uh obviously like i still connected to it in a sense but my surroundings don't represent my surroundings when i was born and and grew up uh and and i don't have those same people around me either because i am sort of here on my own pretty much and there's you know you could say that i have that unique uh unique predisposition and obviously having gone through psychedelic experiences having gone through playing fucking black metal shows at shitty pubs and whatnot you know in front of like five people and then not getting paid and then suffering from migraines and then being out of shape and then going through all kinds of like well in my past previous life you know like all kinds of fucking stress to do with like legalities and you know uh immigration and stuff like that that have been were at the time like very traumatic actually but i just never talk about them right to me uh, but to me i always acknowledge them in my own head because i'm like you know what as as shitty as that was i'm so glad i went through that because now i understand what i do and just sort of like bringing this back to what i meant by the physicality of things i think that there's something about human beings whether it's with our general i mean this could be our i guess chakras things like that or you can look at it from the very cynical science perspective of just your gut microbiome and there is this this thing especially i think with the gut microbiome which um there there has to be a higher link between that and spirituality as far as i'm aware you don't see a lot of it but i am i'm fucking certain that that there is something there because that's that's a part that the more you nurture that, the more you are 
you value your gut microbiome as a sort of like a holy grail of, you know, like making sure that nothing negatively impacts it in a sense of uh, the food that you eat, you know, and, and, and what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of, basically it's the food that you eat, you know, and what, where you drink your water from, you know, all these different things, you know, where you get your supplements from, all these different things that have a relationship to your gut microbiome. That I find that the more you try and purify that, that creates a a full body sort of unity, which absolutely enhances spiritual experiences. And I uh, and and th- honestly, like we can, this is a fucking rabbit hole and a half we can go down. But you know, uh, there's there's something there that I've I've discovered that the more you nurture it the closer you can actually become to god or 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 whatever that is that's already perhaps either within you but then somehow it allows you to be a better antenna right so as an artist you project better as a, as someone who prays you 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 pray better as someone who you know you make your decisions in a way that it's not just what your ego thinks but it's what your full body approves of and you feel it in your stomach and it's this it's this weird <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> it's it there's something there there's something yeah. there that i don't think we've fully tapped into and i feel like you know all of the food that humanity eats and and everything that we're involved with is taking us further away from that and i i i think if if we all connected with that yes on a on a philosophical level we all need our trials and tribulations um, but I also feel like that's something that if we all connect with, we can we can probably do things that I don't think we quite understand how fucking powerful we can be as humanity um, and, 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 and and what 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 our spiritual potential truly is. I don't think we understand that yet just yet anyway. Yeah, or if we do, it's certainly not information that's available to everyone. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that that. Um... Yeah, my experience, like the body is 100% a, uh, uh, the most powerful tool we have for in- interacting with the world around us and with, uh, you know, um, interacting with the, the other world of, you know, the, because, because these two things are actually intimately connected. There is a separation on one sense in the sense that as conscious beings, like if you just put it in the most basic of, of things, there is a human meat brain psychology, right? But we have this other thing, this, this consciousness that is able to uh, subvert that and change that and do things, you know, even if you just look at something like neuro-linguistic, you know, um, programming, like you, just by changing your language, you, you're programming or using certain symbols, you, you're changing this, the, the brain, like, purposefully. Like, you, we have it as part of our consciousness, which is separate from the the human, con- the, 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 the mundane consciousness, right? You know, uh, the mundane brain. Uh, and that works down to the body, but it's also intimately connected at the same time. So everything in the body affects the human psychology and also affects this other type of, of other consciousness that we have. It all is connected very intimately. And, uh, and we have to, and that's one thing I realized in that kind of, biocated state that I had for a while was that we need to uh, to 
use that same consciousness thing to also make better choices for our bodies because yeah, the stronger we make our bodies, the better you you can do that. You will, you know, be able to tap into things in a much better way over time. You know, like even just by being active in of itself is a huge, huge thing. You know, like, uh, like, um, like, you know, I've worked in a job where I'm active all day, every day, pretty much. And, you know, I sleep real good at night. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't have insomnia anymore for the most part. You know what I mean? Unless I'm like real, like having something stressing me out what I'm thinking about or something. But generally, you know, when you when you're when you're active all day, when you like work out or, you know, or you have work an active job where you're moving around and, you know, you're going to sleep better. And then that better sleep is going to affect everything else. And then if you, you know, make sure you get your you eat as best you can and get probiotics and get all this kind of stuff. Like you're going to feel a lot better overall in your life and that's going to make affect everything. So it, it's all connected, you know, like, and like, I, I agree with you like that, that if we could, you know, like, uh, more people like really like, um, connected with this, that would be better, better for, for everything. You know, I think part of a big part of the problems in this world, like I see people who like, you know, like, <clears throat> the all they eat is like the, the standard crap that you get everywhere and they you can see them like you know they get sick and they wither away and you know like they are weaker and you know they don't have the same level of consciousness as other people and it's uh it's sad but a part of that is just because that's what they put in the the food you know like the most readily accessible food uh, a lot of times has stuff that seems to be purposely there to destroy you know all of that's good, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, this is absolutely, man. Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about when when I mentioned the uh, the micro the gut microbiome in particular. You know, I mean, ninety percent of your serotonin is created in that, right? So, if you're eating food that's creating inflammation in the gut, then that's going to directly have an impact on your mental health, and. Okay, so what are some things that have the worst effect on your gut microbiome? Seed oils. What are seed oils? Rapeseed oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, all that crap. And what are they in? Everything. Literally, you go to a supermarket, read the label at the back of any fucking food product that's not a pure ingredient, and it will have at least one of those things at the back of it. It's, it's crazy. And like I didn't know about that until you brought it up, like the seed oil thing. And then I said paying attention to anything that I eat that's like processed, like generally like, and, uh, but I also feel like this is like, they, they weren't putting this in everything in the same way that they are now. Right. Because like, I don't remember them putting like seed oil and like ketchup in the past, but you know, now there is, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's literally in everything yes. now. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, man. You know, and it's sort of like, it's in yeah like you said it's it's unavoidable you want to buy a sandwich it's going to be in that you want to buy a piece of chocolate somehow they've managed to fit it in that you would think or, or if you want to buy bread most of bread has got seed oils in it and you think to yourself well why is that there and the sort of the surface description is oh it's just for texture the way i look at it is especially when you when you look at the grand scale of the world and how there seems to be a you know, uh, almost, well, not almost, an absolute effort in um, in dumbing down 
humanity and uh, and and gaining mass control of the population gaining mass surveillance and also most importantly when you see the uh, the same effort towards uh, keeping people unhealthy unfit but also unspiritual i would say and cynical and only um only focused on the self now don't get me wrong there's a lot of value to the self but the self is meaningless without a world to weigh it against right and uh, you know and and in and their in their world that world is only a world of consumerism not a world of community and one that you get to grow with fellow individuals and and discover interesting things about life and the universe so to me i think that this could very easily be and i i get it i get that it sounds like a conspiracy theory well most conspiracy theories in the last three years have come true uh if not all of them so uh, i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say that this is more than likely something it's a consolidated effort by something you know like you would think that there is there's got to be some kind of regulators that are setting these standards that okay yeah most products that are made has got to have this and this in it unless it really doesn't work you know which is like a small percent of small percentage of time you know where you can't have seed oils in something but i think you know when you're giving people chronic inflammation you know other than its spiritual implications you can also think about how it simply um you know just that chronic inflammation is 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 the you know that's the bringer of disease that's that's why people are constantly ill if you want to keep people sick all the time you know then you can make tons of money off of them through your uh, healthcare systems and whatever whoever is funding it you know whether it's in the america or in the uk obviously these are very different systems i much prefer the one in the uk but at the core of it it's the same the same principles apply and uh you know as far as like the where the big funding really gets gets put towards you know it goes down to the pharmaceuticals and the corporate companies so i've uh i understand that as a black metal musician i have far too many opinions about these things but uh you know i'm a citizen of the fucking world you know this is my planet too you cunts so <laughs> this is uh this is one of the most important things probably that i've i've come to realize and i think that people should without being extremely neurotic about it because these things you can't you can't change your life overnight like that but this is something that i would urge everyone to at the very least pay attention to and be aware of even if you're still gonna eat something just turn just to turn around that product in your hand just look at the back see yeah. what it says right and then just think about that you can google it right google is still a censorship machine but you can still use that same vehicle to search something it's like you know like that bar of candy that's in your hand you know like what why has that got rapeseed oil in it do they really need that there that's something yeah. that they used to use to uh they used to use as uh, engine lubricant and then it's it's absolutely rancid and it's had to go through this whole process just to get rid of the stench of it you know why why is that in your food think about yeah. it yeah yeah i try to i um you know i never really seen seed oils and things really to the extent it is now and uh yeah now i'm like very vigilant about it i don't eat anything with if it has seed oil i don't buy it you know like that's basically how i because i'm like fuck that sorry I'm man I'm, I'm good at i'm good at ruining a lot of good things for a lot of people so there we go I, well the good thing is that i realized that, <laughs> that a lot of the stuff that i eat doesn't even have it in the first place so i'm usually pretty good because one thing i've really noticed is that it's usually in a so-called vegan food 
you know like a lot of that supposedly heat healthy vegan food all of it has seed oil in it you know <laughs> exactly every i think that's every population single thing control from that yeah yeah like i think that's that's you know like i i of course i have very close vegan friends of mine i even have vegan clients you know like i, I don't tell them to stop eating it but i think it's this fucking i think it's a tool of population control i think it's a thing of oh you think you're being a good person all right then you know let's let's see what you got you know like here take this shit you know yeah yeah <laughs> i mean let's let's make you even more angry let's make you even more depressed like let's make you even more upset you know which is a fucking terrible thing you know like i i respect vegans right because they're amongst fewer people in the world who actually choose to make an effort with their diet and to eat differently and especially you know if you want to do it for reasons that are you know are out of ethics and things like that i totally respect that because you're basically sacrificing your own health for that of other animals because you don't want to partake in a system it would be very arrogant of me to not respect someone on that basis but at the same time let's not kid ourselves that this is not healthy for you to be doing that you know and uh And unless you're eating 100% organic and supplementing the fuck out of everything, that's not good for you. So, you know, there is a there is a gray area here. You know, I'm not one of them people who is like, you know, you can eat whatever the fuck you want to eat, you know. But I just believe in understanding the reality of it. Because on the other hand as well, you know, factory farming is fucking terrible. It's terrible Yeah. for... the environment that's another thing that's also not great for your gut microbiome why because of all the antibiotics that are present in the animals you know and and the and all the corn and all the soy and all the crap that the animals have been fed you know that's been covered in glyphosate and things like that and that's going to get passed down not just through their uh, that's going to get stored in their fat and then it's going to get passed down to your gut and then <laughs> you know it's this vicious cycle The whole system You know. is, 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 yeah, fucked up. Yeah. Because I definitely Exactly. have a lot of sympathy for, you know, I mean, I've been, uh, I'm the kind of person, like, I've, I've tried to be, like, vegetarian, at least. I, like, I would never be vegan because it's too hardcore, but, you know, vegetarian, but, like, in the past, because of that reason, because of an ethical reason, where I find the whole farming, uh, the whole meat industry horrific, like, you know, but I don't have a problem eating meat necessarily if it's, if it's sourced. ethically in a way where these animals had had a good life and you know like they're like you know like you know like naturally like the way it used to be right you know like Yeah. the way it is now is just fucking horrific and particularly like these like uh you know like all the uh the pig the horrific like pig warehouse farms that that they started implementing that and all those kinds of stuff like yeah i get the uh the impetus for that but i think the the you know for me personally though like my body like needs meat like i need like the something in red meat that like if i don't eat it for too long i start getting real sick like i start having a lot of problems so like i can't so i eat red meat but i try to you know do what i can like eat better you know meat or whatever i can you know not support that kind of the uh the real mass farming side of it you know what i mean Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, man, I think humans are built to eat and enjoy meat. And I've, you know, I'm a big meat eater, right? 
um well i'm not saying to cut it out fuck jesus you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know as soon listen if you ever hear a fitness coach or someone like that saying oh you should you probably shouldn't eat meat that person's a fucking fraud you know like just forget about it you know that's that's not what i'm saying at all what what i'm saying is more the sourcing of it but i also understand that you know it's not as easy so of course in the meat that i ate of course it's going to be factory farmed crap in there i you know the you can only help it so much you know and i have certain needs i have certain amounts that, that i need to stick to you know and um i am i'm willingly you know this is this is the part that a lot of people can come to terms with but i am willingly making the selfish choice of choosing my own health over that of you know basically the the treatment that's involved in the system i'm aware of that i'm willingly making that choice and it's not it's not a great choice, but for me, that's what works. Right, and well, a lot of people are making the same choice, just not being aware of it. That's the real difference there. You yeah, know? and you can always make things better by trying to go with grass-finished meat, things like that, by creating your own relationship with like your local farmers, things like that. I'm a huge fucking advocate of uh, having a harmonious relationship with local farmers. You know, I think what's happened in the netherlands is fucking terrible i think uh what's happening in america with some fucking cheese dick like bill gates just buying all the farmland over there is is fucking awful yeah um you know because you know what those are going to be used for in the future and it's not going to be for the good of the planet nor the environment no. nor for the health of the humanity we know that and yeah. we would be fooling ourselves to pretend it's for otherwise and you know it's uh you know there's this um there you can always do your part to do things better you know you can get more educated about it you know but at the end of the day just being a living human has some implication on the environment you know it's the it's the this is the way of nature you know that uh, for that life always has to eat life you know and this doesn't always have to be in the format of meat but even you know you still have to harvest some kind of crops to take away you know and you're still always taking from the planet in some ways and the this taking can be in absolute balance of course you know if you if you just like look at the amazon and leave nature be what it is then you know then there's always taking and there's always giving and there's this weird harmonious thing of life and death but i think that we're sort of out of balance and out of harmony and as a result you're seeing that we are not happy you can see that humans are sick we're sick not just in our bodies but in our minds and it's not a good place that we are headed at the moment so so something's something's gonna give you know we won't be able to carry on the way that we are now forever i know that i don't know what would replace it what would be the solutions other than strip back and maybe go back to some kind of a decentralized way of life who knows but um this is uh this is not gonna last forever for sure no yeah definitely not <laughs> i wasn't i didn't think like uh we should still talk about the album as yeah well, we start <laughs> yeah i was like we should uh, get into the album now like yeah we kind of went went off on a i was like oh it's not got album. we went off in this like kind of thing but yeah so let's let's get back to the album uh so yeah smoothest transition in podcast in history fuck yeah yes why not <laughs> um how it kind of works actually i mean the the concept of the album eloa burns out actually i think it's the perfect segue because that's uh 
basically about the the death of the world and uh you know eloa if we want to talk about the t- just the title of the album alone eloa obviously as i'm sure you might be aware is the singular for elohim um you know which of course you know in in kabbalah and jewish mysticism we always refer to as sort of it you know it's a we we're talking about an omnipotent presence here so uh what what in in the case of um this the concept with this album is that every part of this album is about death right so azrael is the angel of death alpha predator is a song from the perspective of a murderer uh which i'm sure sooner or later when you guys read the lyrics you'll understand all of this but uh you know or or even twilight of death is the death of the individual um there's, there's an interesting story behind that song too uh it's more like a suicide song kind of thing you know and then memento mori is obviously remember that you will die and at the end of the album we've got the song dar akhiradunya which is a which is a song that's all in my native language of farsi and that song basically depicts the uh, the end of the world which is parallel with the death of god but what it describes is basically like a poetic slash metaphysical depiction of the uh, of the sun in our solar system burning out and taking everything out with itself you know uh, before it turns into a white dwarf so that's what that song is about the very last line of the album which is a choir that keeps repeating says injust ejdehai ke dom khod rami balat which means here is the dragon devouring its own tail uraboros and uh, and and that's the so the, the idea of eloa burns out is basically god burns out it comes to the end we're at the end of the cycle you know so because it's like you can and and how do we come to even to this conclusion you know that god is not eternal well look at it like this let's say man was made in the image of god okay and then you can apply that deep religious philosophy which i've always been fascinated with to the simple fact of comparing the structure of uh, adam to that of solar systems which we know that obviously aren't absolutely identical but are very similar obviously and the way i look at this is that this god if we we could refer to it in the in the form of um, a sun or a star or 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 a greater present being than that that despite all greatness will eventually have a demise because all things in our universe are prone to an eventual demise and a change of format and there will come a time where there is nothing left anymore so what this album depicts is basically the death of god and that last song that alkhiradonia is about the end of the world basically so right. god burns out that's what it means yeah it's a cool cool um way of putting it and um like uh yeah it is actually appropriate for what we're talking about because yeah it is if the album's all about death and the apocalypse it it's an apocalypse yeah. yeah it's an apocalyptic album it's it's interesting how it seems like at this point in time uh, the idea of the memento mori of of kind of talking about death seems to be pretty like uh, 
independently of each other. It's like, you know, you have, say, Mardu releasing album Memento Mori. You have... And then Depeche Mode doing the same. Yeah, and then you have a song called Memento Mori. And there's, like, a lot of things like that. And it's all... No one... It's all independent of each other, right? It's like, no, you know... It's so fascinating, like, the... I think that it seems like something in the zeitgeist right now is, is, like, really... Uh, moving forward to this kind of, uh, it's, I think it's, it makes sense because, you know, if you think about the, even the idea of the memento mori in of itself was something that, that arose after the black death, you know, like, hmm. uh, the idea of the, uh, the dance of death and all these types of types of images that we, we, um, see today, like a lot of that came about after the black death and, and the transformation that it had on the culture and, uh, Personally, so I, you know, I, I don't think COVID has anything, nothing like Black Death really, but there's so much else in our, in our culture is going on right now that I think that make us feel like, think about these things a lot, you know, think about death and transformation and what's well, happening. And there's like a insecurity and, you know, like it's, there's some, there's a power in embracing death as a, in, in the face of death, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Well, here's the thing, man. Death doesn't always have to mean that a person dies or an animal dies. You know, that can be the death of of an old relationship, an old tale. It can be the ending or a conclusion to a cycle. You know, like you could we could get into how a lot of these things that we're seeing could perhaps simply just be a receipt of the fact that we're in the age of Aquarius. Um, but also, um, you know, we can talk about how you know, like the the whole thing with COVID, obviously COVID's like what fucking less than 1% mortality rate or whatever, you know, and that obviously would have been a lot less if they hadn't blocked their usage of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine and things like that. But, you know, that's, that's its own thing. You know, <laughs> we don't have to get into that, but the idea is that our world is not the same as what it was before, you know, so that illusion is sort of shattered for everyone and uh, some people still obviously choose to bury their fucking heads in the sand, but you know that's uh, you know that's obviously up to them. But it's this uh, to me, it's this idea that um, yes, there is there are things around our own mortality. Yes, you know, there's always like the idea of uh, impending doom and things like that. But to me, I like to look at it more from a philosophical aspect of um i mean i mean this is applicable in all aspects but to me it's this idea that that old world that we knew is not is no longer here anymore perhaps it never was here to begin with you know but now we definitely know for sure and i think it's this um it's this embracing of of your fear of death and ultimately the fear of change and i think that's something that once you truly once we really go through that in our own hearts as individuals then that's when the real change can occur it's a little bit like it's very spooky but um do you remember uh, the uh, very first uh, silent hill game yeah of course okay right so what's the best fucking moment in that game is when lisa realizes that she's been dead the whole time and uh you know lisa the nurse obviously and then that's you know it's like that to me i always found it extremely poetic and so fucking haunting and the music is just so fucking good where she's talking about how uh, 
you know, like the, I think I can't remember the exact dialogue, but it basically comes down to this thing of I get it now. I get it why so and so has been this and that, you know, and I, I realized that, uh, you know, I've been dead here all along. And then when she says that, she sort of starts manifesting in the sense of, you know, like her whole body just starts falling apart and she starts just bleeding out of everywhere. And the music is this very calm and melancholic music, which is just fucking it's such a powerful moment that I, I love it so much. But to me, I can relate that to the state of our world and, and what we're all experiencing now, where it's sort of like understanding that that illusion is shattered, you know, and that was like, we were always away from that, whatever it was, you know, and we were just sort of closing our eyes to it. And now, now that we acknowledge that, that, it, that was simply an illusion, then the world begins to manifest itself for what it truly is. Right. Yeah. I definitely, definitely could see that. I think that, I think that has gotten to point that, uh, I feel like it's hard for, for anybody to really, uh, you know, shut their eyes at this point. I mean, because it's, it's gotten to the point where it's affecting everybody so much that, you know, even on this day to day life that, yeah, it's just, it's there, you know, like, and, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. You know, we'll see what, see what, see what the future brings. That's one of those things. It's a big question mark. We don't quite know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I want to I want to interject quickly as well because I'm speaking with such certainty here obviously aren't I um without going into too much of the details um one of the final things that I final but very important things that I took away from my uh, recent DMT trip was this understanding that the world that we know now is not going to be here forever you know i had a moment where i was walking past and seeing seeing people in their you know just something about the structure of our world where we go to work and then we go home and then we sit in our living rooms and then we check our phones we watch tv together we have dinner with the family or on our own perhaps you know or we go out, get drunk, whatever that that life that we all we are all living in the billions all all across the world. That's not going to be here forever. So the fact that we get to see it right now is almost like a unique opportunity, almost like we're inside a time machine where we get to see the world before it becomes the thing that it becomes after this. Right. Yeah, we get the last gasp of i this. understand that quite heavy yeah the, the last gasp of this 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 particular period of of existence yeah and uh yeah things transform there's always going to be certain aspects just because we're human that i think uh <clears throat> we manifest ourselves like in, in certain ways that stays the same there's just certain things that that change with time you know what i mean like and uh like even even when civilization was broken down to you know uh it's most you know like say because uh, one thing that i always think about is that for the most part uh even with like the outward transformation of uh the outward form human culture and civilization had remained pretty static for a long time in a lot of ways you know like the basic structure of how humans live their lives like 
um, up until about the Industrial Revolution. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what caused, like, you know, that's we're living in that that the era. And I think you could look at the first hundred years of the Industrial Revolution was uh, figuring out of the form. And each thing is, is kind of trying things on. So even like what we take for granted now, the way that we live life now, is really just a, a the current form of this this right but ultimately even in within this we have qualities of how we live our lives that relate back to how people live their lives for millennia you know and more than likely the most likely transformation if if this say this whole system were to fall apart again would be an eventual restructuring into back to the how people have lived for millennia you know what i mean like that's that's kind of my my belief about a lot of stuff is that what we're living in right now is a very uh, abnormal type of situation for humanity. And, uh, you know, even <clears throat> because you could look at in the past, like there's, there was a, a kind of structure of how people lived um, before technology that was pretty similar. Even if you're in ancient Egypt or, you know, ancient Persia or, you know, uh, Europe, you know, like, uh, you know, like back in the day, like there are certain qualities to the way people had to live life that was the same, you know what I mean? Like it just depended on how the outward form of how they were living. And uh, so that's something that I always think about as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many different facets to this anyway, but we're sort of not even acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is AI and artificial intelligence. You know, right. that's that's going to change everything. Maybe it already has, but because it's a slow and gradual thing, maybe we don't notice it quite as much right now. But that's going to, you know, we're all, we're always under constant surveillance. You know, you can that 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 changes the perspective of existence completely. The transformation of that is is totally surreal and uh, we're we're merging with it. You know, the fact that you've always got a phone in your hand in your pocket that knows exactly where you are, listens to everything that you do, and you put all of your thoughts into it, and all of your communications are recorded there, that's only just one step away from that being fully integrated with you physically. You know, it's not far away. And and you could say that, oh, well, this is where we'll put a stop to it. Yeah, but with the way we're moving with things, you know, like just the fact that I, th I, I heard something the other day where you can like look into rooms and locate people just using wi-fi signals and things like that you know and uh that's all over our our the civilized parts of our planet you know we're, we're going towards this thing where you won't be able to hide anything and everything is under control and uh and that could be very dangerous on one hand it could be good because maybe it'll stop us from fucking polluting the place so much but on the other hand i don't think that's really the the real promise of it because yeah. all it could also lead to is extreme totalitarianism you know we could reach you know you know what my biggest worry is is reaching a degree of totalitarianism with with uh, quantum machines and computers and things like that you can bring back the dead so even when you're dead you you're not truly free you know because that's that's something else that that i've you know <laughs> we could get into it <laughs> but but that's that would be i think the worst thing in the world you know is bringing people back from from the dead and you know using whatever 
waves and things like that and that sounds like the worst thing imaginable to me yeah. because then who's controlling that you know like it yeah. almost feels like we could we could all be stuck for eternity if that happened yeah it's like the uh yeah that's like those type of things are very horrific to me like like i'm very like you know liberty freedom um like small government type of person you know what i mean i'm very much a libertarian sure. so i find a lot of horror and like that. all yeah, these types yeah. of types of things you know what i mean like i be it communism or fascism or you know this kind of totalitarian like uh you know like uh like uh um Tech, tech, no, I'm the tech, same. I'm, tech, I'm, I'm techno, with you on that. techno totalitarianism type of stuff. Like, it's very horrific to me. Like, I find the whole idea of, of where things is going, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, and yeah, that would be the worst because, because one thing that I always think about is that if it gets too bad, at least I can just kill myself. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yeah, but, like, but now imagine but, you kill yourself and then they've already got, you know, like Zoom, they've got like some uh, like agreement now where they can basically use your voice and your image, you know, and then they put all of this together. They pull back all your brainwaves, you know, even if you kill yourself, they still bring you back to life anyway, you know, and keep you're trapped you- inside this quantum machine forever. Yeah, that, what a that, fucking nightmare! Huh? That is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, like I can, but... I can honestly, I cannot imagine anything more terrifying than that. You know, and it's almost like it makes you pray for a black hole to come and swallow us. But then, if a black hole takes you, then your, you know, what a black hole does is that it it warps time so that your future becomes the center of it. So then again, you're you're trapped forever there too. So. um <laughs> yeah this this There's, is no winning man yeah this, it's very like <laughs> this is my thoughts welcome Liga- to my thoughts carl this is this is what this is what goes on up here all the time yeah, it's very legati-esque like uh um you know pessimist to horror horse you know type of idea like it yeah is. I, that's why i'm such a positive person in real life i'm very i'm, I'm actually a very optimistic person you know but uh i i choose to be that in spite of the horrors that might potentially behold you know because yeah there's no there's no point living your life in fear Fuck no that's my my thought process too like <clears throat> yeah there's a lot of things that's obviously okay. uh transforming but you know i also just kind of think like uh i do have this the, the more positive side of my thought process is often that uh you that um that in the past like anytime a system gets too totalitarian like where you're i think humans do have a certain sense of uh self-worth to the point that anytime in the past you can look at say the french revolution you can look at uh the soviet fall of the communism um a lot of these types of things it probably would have been the ultimate result of uh if nazism had won it probably would have fallen eventually because anytime when you try to grasp to hold too tight on these these bigger things and they they start to forget that they need to keep the people fed and happy to make them good citizens right uh that always ends in revolution right you know like every time in the past it can go probably even go back to sumerian times it's probably the result of times when you had Let's... a cruel dictator you know yeah but here here's the thing right I'm, I'm gonna i'm probably gonna blow your mind maybe not let's look at it like this okay this is a this was a hard realization for me, but it's been very valuable. That, what you just described there, is simply the cycle of nature anyway. Yeah. 
so what I'm referring to with the, like the whole machines and things like that, that's and and the quantum sort of way of being able to control brain waves. I wouldn't know how that works, but that would be my biggest nightmare is if we found ourselves in a perpetual state like that. But what I will say is like, you know, like here's, here's the important part when you're referring to how, let's say hypothetically, if, uh, if Nazism had actually been successful, you know, and then eventually that would have fallen, you know, or, uh, or, or the same, you know, or if the communist party, uh, the truly, you know, like uh, all these different things, you know, or Rome, you know, it, listen, that is, I'm afraid, the nature of our world. Nothing is is permanent, right? And uh, so you you can look at um, you can look at like a fighter, like a top top elite fighter. You know, there was once upon a time. Even though people who might be listening to this now might not believe it, Conor McGregor used to be like the top guy in uh, in all of MMA. You know, if not like all of like fighting sports. You know, and then that's obviously you know long gone and it, it's almost like hard to imagine it nowadays but that was a thing once upon a time there was a time where the same applied to mike tyson and you know all of the greats all all things will eventually fall whether it's mike tyson or whether it's rome it doesn't matter these streaks will always end, even if it's the Undertakers. Even though that was sports entertainment, it was kind of made up, but it was cool. You know, that's even even that broke. <laughs> so, you know, nothing will last forever. Even the idea of America, which I think is is actually a fantastic idea. I'm a, I'm a very big fan of just the whole idea of the Constitution of America. Even though I'm actually yet to visit the country, I'm sure I will at some point uh, in the coming years. Uh, once uh, I have the capability to do that, uh, or the reason rather, um, even that country, I think it was only really a short period of time where it truly held up to the promise that it truly said it would. And now you have people all across that same country questioning whether they're a man or a woman. And, <laughs> you know, that which is absolutely a sign of decline and the thing that that whole thing is about to collapse basically so nothing's gonna last forever you can have moments of victory you can have moments of greatness but think about how many great victories and triumphs and achievements have happened in our history just on this planet alone where at the time they might have felt like, okay, this is it. Nothing's ever going to top this. And many of those events, we don't even know about them now. You know, there was no one there with like a cell phone or anything to record it. Or or eventually all of those people ended up dying. The, the alpha predator of um, of the jungle, and I'm not trying to segue into the album here, but the, the alpha of the jungle might take all of the praise but eventually it too will fall. And that is simply the nature of our world. The best we can do is preserve the moments that we can. You know, like uh, here's here's, a, here's an interesting link as well. Like, you know how you said earlier that when you go to work and then when you come home, because you've worked, you feel sort of justified to go to sleep and then you feel more tired, you know, and then you can you can sleep easier. 
I look at death the same way in that it's something that you gotta earn and uh, and there's nothing sadder to me than an unearned death you know and uh, and I, I I I believe in that I believe in that very strongly you know so that when you when you meet him you can hold your head up high and know that you gave it your absolute fucking best when you had the chance to do so and you're yeah. giving him it's and it's a valuable exchange you're not wasting his time by dying well, yeah. i think i think that that's part of or her yeah the kind of worship of death be it santa muerte or uh azrael san muerte you know all these ideas like of worshiping death is is that is to you know death wants you to go to death like at a point where you're like yeah i've lived my life and i've given you know an inactive living your life you're feeding death you know like as part of that aspect that kind of contract when you worship some type of death entity as part of that is every you know the more that you live your life and enjoy it and you have you know things like that you're kind of feeding death and so that when you go to death like you're you're not afraid of dying because you're like oh i have all these regrets because i didn't do this or didn't do that or you know this or that but you're kind of like yeah i died like i feel good about dying at this point i yeah, i agree with you with that yeah yeah and it doesn't always have regard for you like that you might have been a legend at one point but then at some point in your life you might just be a lump of fucking meat with alzheimer's and no one gives a shit about you you know you might be just left there on your own and that's very unideal but it's a reality that happens far more often than we like to admit i may or may not have worked around healthcare at some point in my life and seen plenty of that you know and yeah it's uh it's good it's good for us all to see that and understand that humility and and just you know the, the, the what, what why what is the even the point of all of this to talk about i'm not trying to be a goth and, and be all doom and gloom no but the, the point is memento mori you know remember that that's gonna come so do what you can you know enjoy yourself enjoy your life you don't have to go and <laughs> you don't have to go and fucking move mountains although you know by all means if that's what you want to do uh, i'm more on that school of thought but also at the same time you know do um do what you want to do you know make make sure you're, you're you're feeling happy and that at the very least more, more importantly than that make sure you're living by your true values rather than what anyone else inflicts upon you whether it's uh, i don't know a jehovah's witness or someone who's a member of temple of sitrakro whatever it, it, it don't matter just live by your own fucking standards you know don't don't give in to anyone else's bullshit fuck that yeah exactly yeah. the um maybe like you know before we uh I think we should probably talk a bit about the album and uh, more as well aside from we should kind of kind of talk about the concept and w with this kind of conversation i believe though and uh that's good but i was thinking like the album has been like in production for a long time like right like i mean how long have you been working i mean some of these songs have like very old like serpent skate or no serpent skate is not on the album but like um how long you've been working the whole process like from like writing through to recording it and everything like that like it depends so. if you're talking about serpent's gaze as in j a z e or j a y s which one are you talking about oh i just meant like the album as a whole like <laughs> <laughs> i'm fucking with you man yeah um <laughs> very immature i had to break <laughs> somehow <laughs> um so that's a very very valid question i'm glad that you actually took notice of that because 
Um, all right, so here's the deal. And and this might be a little mind-blowing, actually, to anyone who has actually followed Trivax. And, and maybe you might just not give a shit about it. Fine, whatever. But there's actually video footage of me playing the riffs that were on this album back at the album launch show of our first album, which took place on 13th of November 2016. Sorry, 20th of November 2016. That's when we did the release show at the O2 Academy in Birmingham. And the album itself came out on the 13th of November 2016. Uh, and, uh, and and that's like as soon as that first album came out, I already started writing because I immediately learned from just the experience of creating Sin, our first record, which I was thought is a very strange record. It's just sort of like it's very funny because I feel like the title is aged very well in the sense that the idea of sinning isn't so much doing the wrong thing, but rather missing the point. And personally, I feel like that album misses the point on a lot of stuff. Personally, where it like it gets close, it's got the good intention, but it misses the point in its execution and the way it sort of goes forward. That's that's the way I observe. You know, it's a personal thing. A lot of people enjoy the album still, but that's just how I view it personally. Um, and uh, and obviously, there are still songs that we played live from that which sound like a hundred times better now than they did when we played it on the album you know uh which is frustrating of course but (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so pretty much from so eloa burns out i wrote this album between yeah you are right in, in saying that it's old because i wrote this between november 2016 and I, I'm going to say precisely October or November 2018. So that's the time period where I actually wrote this record. And then it was recorded, believe it or not, it was recorded between May and August 2019. And then it was mixed and mastered in the November of 2019. So we've been sat on this record for a very long time. Yeah. The... So now I can explain why that is. It really, there were a multitude of reasons involved. Uh, the main one being the simple fact that uh, no labels, we, we couldn't get any labels at first. Yeah. Um, so what we did when the, when the whole pandemic or scamdemic or whatever you want to call it happened, um, we then went to, you know, I sort of like, I already started writing like the third album by that point. And then I was like, it was a very soul destroying process because I, and I was still sending out all these emails. And then almost at one point, like gave up, Like I didn't fully give up, obviously, but I was like, man, you know, like we're never going to release this thing. You know, maybe we should sort of just release it ourselves. And then we were like, no, 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 we shouldn't do that. We should release it with a proper label. Okay, wait, 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 wait. All right, cool eventually you know like when it came to it we started you know i just had some personal transformations of my own like the whole i mean this is a very long-winded answer to your question but it's it's a deserved place to to bring that in because the whole album is like this story of transformation that fucking all three of us went through you know extreme transformations in our personal lives like we all changed so much during the uh, the recording but also the capture and during the whole process of this album like they'll there'll never be another album in our lives that was the way that this one was i don't think so and 
you know, we might go on to create more other stuff, but this was a very special and unique thing that it happened to coincide with this weird global thing that happened. And then through that, we learned, or I should say, I, I learned finally how to actually sort of present the band properly. I learned how to treat the band more in, in, in different ways, which basically long story short we ended up developing a bigger following and fan base during the during the lockdown periods than we ever had before which is very interesting like i can show you our bandcamp statistics and you will it'll fucking blow your mind but basically i learned finally how to manage the band properly and then from there we went on to play our first shows again after the pandemic and then not long after that, we ended up meeting with our current label, Cold Never Dies. And uh, and in that time, I actually turned down other labels, you know, so like Into the Void was a whole interesting project, which I kind of put together really just to bridge the gap because I thought that, I, I guess I shouldn't give away all of my tools and, and thinking here, but their thinking behind that, the Into the Void EP was that I knew that LOR Burns Out was so good compared to Sin that if we released that right after it, it would just blow people's fucking minds. So the way I had to do it was to... I know this sounds very psychotic, but the way this sounds... <laughs> the, the way I wanted to do it was to release Into the Void, but with a relatively shittier, but also more esoteric mix shitty is not the right word but just more underground a more raw mix that's not like the one on the album and release that just so that it allows us bridge the gap between sin and and eloa burns out which was like the most genius idea i think ever looking back at it now like oh, the guy the other, i'm not just saying this to blow my own horn but the other two guys in the band would say the same like that was like the best idea for that time because then what it helped us do is create this new era of Trivex, you know, create a new name for ourselves, you know, away from what we've done before. And now here we are, you know, it's time for Eloa Burns Out to come out, you know. So, yeah, the material is actually very old. Um, the recordings are very old, too. But um, I feel like we can finally do the release of the album justice because any other time we would have released this, it wouldn't have been the right time. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in as as we've already gathered by now, uh, certain universal forces and things like that. And now is absolutely the right time for this album to come out. So I wouldn't change a thing at this point. Once right. again. Yeah. As I remember, uh, uh, I remember what we were talking about before, but yeah, at, at some point I kind of, I got grasped that, that, that you had already recorded the album, like, even like you know two years ago or something like you know like i kind of yeah. had that i had already kind of figured that out so i was like i don't remember if you he, i think you had told me that you had basically the album like together right but yeah i think it was a genius idea to do into the void um as a bridge because i do think that helped like establish okay this is to me i felt like you know that felt like this is where um trivax like is going like in the sense of the maturity of the band in a sense like this is this is like an expression of like 
because I feel like even like Into the Void is, you know, I like Sin, but I feel like Into the Void is like such a step forward. And then you release the Serpent's Gaze, which also shows like more of like the real sound of what you've had already developed with the album being done already, right? Like, you know, you're kind of giving like a little bit, so people kind of go, okay, like there's the bands, like you're seeing like what the band really is capable of, right? And then, but you already kind of knew what you're capable of because you had already had the album done, right? So I think that was a pretty genius idea, like, because I do think that would have been better. That's a lot better than releasing, just releasing the album, like, and, you know, or releasing the album into a void. Like, it's better to hold on to something you know is good and wait until everything's kind of grown to the proper point. And it definitely seems that way to me, like with how Trivex has grown and, you know, like particularly over the past couple of years and finding a good label yeah. that you will release it. Like, see, I think I knew that you had the album done and there just wasn't any label interest for a while. Right. But it's like, I think, um, you know, I think that that the way you grew it probably was, was what wise. And then, uh, finding a good label that actually will back you and, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like to a certain extent. I mean, I think that there's probably a certain level of uh, I don't know, like trepidation people have with releasing a band from Iran. You know what I mean? Who's like anti-Islamic because they don't want to get. You know, I always feel like that might have been a, a part of what's going on too. Because it's like, but I also think mm -hmm. that uh, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, like just because of the way that so much of the Western world is like walks on eggshells around islam you know what i mean like that i feel Pussies. like yeah i feel like that uh you know where they equate the way, i don't think sorry to interrupt you man but i don't we're, we're not a, we've never said we're an anti-islamic band no we, we are anti-islamic by nature that's we've what never i mean yeah. gone out yeah you know like it's our whole intent the, the message that we stand for is simply one that's just not compatible with Islam because it's one of freedom, it's one of liberation, you know. It's not exempt from discipline, which is actually one of the very positive aspects of Islam, but it's in a different direction, right? Right. And, uh, and yeah, you know, for us, I think our background is also a part of what makes us anti-Islamic because the thing is, if you are let's say if you're of a muslim background and then you choose to no longer participate in islam you're already anti-islamic mm -hmm. okay exactly. you don't have to go and shit on the quran and throw bacons at a statue of muhammad or something like that you know <laughs> you <laughs> yeah no you know just... you don't have to do that just the fact that you left islam makes you anti anti-islamic and yeah and and that's all and that's also that act in itself is something that makes you uh, a mortad you know so the, not just the government but the average citizens at least in iran this is the case but the average citizens now have the right to basically take your life and uh, and it will be legal for them to do that because you left islam therefore yeah. you're giving islam a bad name you know yeah i have, so, a, you know. I have a friend from uh, uh his family's from bangladesh and he uh he's very um actively critical he left his islam he's very critical of islam like and he, he takes part in like uh um anti-extremist like uh watchdog stuff and all this type of stuff and yeah he told me he was like yeah I, if 
if I were to go to Bangladesh, I'd probably get killed. You know, he's like, I can never go back basically at this point because, you know, like if you're yeah, like, I've never Bangladesh <laughs> either, but I'm sure it's a fun experience. Yeah, because it's a Bangladesh is very uh, Islamic, you know, so it's like, yeah, yeah, the uh, the um, so yeah, very yeah, where that despite the act of not being if you were from this country and you've, you despite that act of being it, you know, and you're never like the big thing though is even though you're banned. Trivax as a band does not speak against Islam, but I mean, like, but you're not afraid of making your opinions heard about that kind of stuff. And like, you know, I feel like people in this, for some reason in the West seem to, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's because when they started equating Islam as some type of like a racial identity as opposed yeah. to religion, because these two things are separate, you know, like we can criticize Islam as a religion the same way you can criticize Christianity or whatever, you know, like it's not, well, it's possible yeah. that I think at some point recently I might have put up a picture of a burning mosque and quoted uh, Arthur Brown's "Fire" as the uh, as the caption of, and this was done on the Trivex page, you know, which kind of blew up actually. But no pun intended again. But <laughs> you know, the the thing is, uh, I'm in a funny mood today, man. You know, with my brain juices are flowing now. So <laughs> the the thing is, you know. Um, that is, I think, exactly what's the problem is that as soon as you talk about Islam in a negative light, you automatically relate it to the perspective of xenophobia, you know, Islamophobia. Oh, you're a racist. You're a bigot. No, 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 no. We are people that came from those countries. And I can tell you that that's a, you know, that system can have terrible consequences. You know, one one thing that I find really fucking hilarious, but I just ironic at the same time is one this this notion of you know like you get people um, who will use the terms Islamophobia or Islamophobic and then homophobic in the same sentence, and that to me is. Mind-blowing. Because, uh, yeah, because Islam is homophobic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Islam, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> Islam is arguably, like, if you just want to look at this statistically and from a non-opinion-based point of view, Islam is arguably the most homophobic anti-LGBTQ ideology there ever has been in yeah. the history of the human race. It is, yeah. It's... it's it makes uh, Christianity with their, um, you know, conversion camps and stuff like that seem like just like nothing. Like it's like not really bad that bad at all. Like compared to being strung up or stoned, like you could be in in the Islamic countries. You know, like so. I, I always find in the past, and that's the thing that that I find confusing because you know, older feminists and older gay activists and stuff uh, were aware of this fact and were not afraid to speak against. You know that kind of stuff with Islam, right? In the you know the seventies and eighties yeah. and whatnot, I, and I'm not quite sure what happened within the last twenty years, where now the same people are for some reason like um, supporting Islam, like, and then you know it's bizarre. Like I, there was a uh, place here, I forget where it was. I, I read a new article about it, but the um, the uh, kind of um, that type of people had ended up voting in a, a Islamic uh, mayor or something like that in some place. Uh, or, 
not I can't remember where it was exactly, but who uh because of diversity, quote unquote, and this mayor ended up like enacting like uh anti gay like uh things like canceling like pride praise and doing all this stuff like that and they're all like horrified, like clutching their pearls, like what is going on? And they're like we have absolutely no awareness of the fact that these, you know, these are like anybody who's like very staunchly like conservatively Islamic is gonna think that a pride parade is the most horrific thing in the world, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, here's one core I part of the Islamic ideology, which by the way, I do think is interesting, you know. This is actually a part of the their ideology in particular. I, I'm not against like I said, you know, with Islam if I want to play the devil's advocate or the Allah's advocate, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't d dislike all of it. Um, there are definitely parts of the religion that I think is kind of full of shit. But then there are actually aspects of it that I think, oh, you know what? As far as discipline is concerned and things like that, this is great. But the problem with it is that it's a it's a death cult. You know, Islam works in groups and cults. So it's sort of like if you're not with us, then you're against us. That's really the biggest fucking problem with it. And it does need to moder modernize to a strong intent, but yeah, uh, to a strong degree, rather. But uh, one interesting part about Islamic ideology as a whole is that humans cannot be non-binary. So by saying that you're non-binary, you're uh, you're basically saying that you're God because Allah is the only thing in this universe which is non-binary, um, which I think is very interesting, you know. And then you want to put, and then that's just like the ideology and philosophy, philosophical aspect of it. But also, you can uh, you can put this into the context of you know like just like the example that you mentioned when you got you know <laughs> you know like uh muslim moms you know petition to ban transgender flags from a city or somewhere i think this happened in like canada or or um, or maybe even america or somewhere and then you're kind of thinking like i bet there's someone scratching their heads you know who's wanting to be outraged but they're too scared of being called a racist you know so they're just not saying anything about it and i kind of <laughs> you know i kind of feel sorry for them you know because obviously these are people that mean well i know they're so hated and despised by by many but you know i my my mother especially always taught me to be to be a compassionate person and you know there's there's a time and place obviously for compassion but there is a part of me that just thinks that you know if, if you're any kind of social justice warrior and, and whatever you're obviously wanting to be a good person you're just very misinformed and you're just not very mature enough in your own life but obviously you're not trying to be a bad person by going against these things obviously in your mind you think that you're you're being good by oh i'm fighting racism i'm fighting this and that you know i get it i understand yeah. it's just very misinformed that's that's all it is and I, I actually kind of feel sorry for them really yeah i feel like, yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah because i feel like they want to do the right thing and and a lot of their underlying stuff like i mean i don't have a, you know i do believe that yeah people should have the like i'm a, like i said i'm I, I believe in freedom i think i don't really a part of me doesn't really care like what you if you want to go be whatever you're going to be be what you're going to be and don't bother me yeah, you know sure. what i mean like i don't care yeah. like and um so i mean i can i'm like sympathetic to some of this stuff but but then they yeah it's just like but then i get real annoyed at the same time with some of their stuff and i feel like they've kind of put themselves in that position a lot of them they want to be the right person but they don't have any uh principles or um 
real real actual principles or you know integrity with uh, in, in terms of thought in the sense that you know if yeah. you actually am anti-fascist then you can't be using fascist techniques to fight fascism you know what i mean like this kind of stuff and yet a lot of them end up yeah. using fascist techniques to fight fascism you know what i mean where you're like it's very annoying you know like if you're yeah yeah no i do think that like a certain school of thoughts like marxism in particular is sort of it's pretty much just a cancer to society and it makes you think you know like well who's drip feeding these this this thoughts in like where did this start you know and it kind of makes you makes you think i know again it seems conspiratorial but i think this that's, that's for a reason you know like the roots and the nature of like you know what everyone always refers to as wokeism that didn't just come out of nowhere just by no you know like we didn't just have like one hipster person wake up one day you know and and decide that their avocado on toast didn't taste good enough so they were gonna like start a whole fucking movement you know these things were dread fed into society from other societies you know that are rivals and don't particularly stand for the same uh, western values this is you know, I think quite obvious, you know, if you want to look at the existence of things like TikTok, you know, and then you want to look into also um, what the source of that is. But then, you know, what um, how do you, how do we infiltrate um, these uh, institutions with this form of ideology and, and things like that? Well, you, you start with the universities and that's exactly what was happening, you know, when there was like that's how Jordan Peterson first got famous, you know, uh, and it was because he was like one of the few people standing up to that kind of thing. And now you look at that, that now that's everywhere. So yeah. to your point, when you're saying like, oh, labels would refrain from signing an Iranian band just in case they might be called like anti-Islamic, which might be racist, which inherently makes that whole thing a racist thing, exactly, ironically yeah. enough. You know, that that's 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 how that bleeds into society. You know, it's these external influences. And unfortunately, when we've got all the abundance at the tip of our fingers, we as humans are designed to create problems for ourselves. So unless you've got some kind of discipline, you know, you work out, you do mental exercise, you do meditation, you uh, you humble yourself unless you do those things then you're gonna you're gonna feel like there's something lacking there's a purpose missing from your life you know like without the shadow there is no light so you're gonna create problems for yourself and uh this is this is i think how we've done it really yeah i agree yeah like you said that the roots of a lot of this stuff is even goes back to the 80s you know like there was um a rise and as soon as like I, the real root of a lot of what's going on nowadays is like the kind of rise of this kind of political correct like type of ideas like train changing language but you know inflict all this kind of stuff like um and i think that it what what else was going on in the 80s you had you still had the soviet union who was still attempting to bring down western culture and they have there's literally uh you know interviews of people from the soviet union saying like how they were infiltrating universities and to spread this stuff to like try to destroy the you know the west from the inside and uh and here's the thing even though the fall of the soviet union you still had china doing the same thing probably and also the things set in motion by the soviet union during the 70s and 80s probably just kept going because at that point it started taking on its own internal momentum as soon as like in the 70s 80s you had a, you changed certain generations of of university that creates a momentum that i think you could see 
has transformed universities across the West into what they are today, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, like Carl, we look at history as if it's this thing that's, oh, it's so far away from us, you know, that, that we, we are just observing. No, no, no. That's that's like right here. That's right here, right next to us. We're, we're dealing with it right now. And in fact, yeah. we're dealing with it in the most extreme form that it's ever been there. Way more compared to the 80s, dare I say. It's just more subtle, you know, like we've become more sophisticated at these kind of attacks on culture and individual liberty and you know it's a it's a slippery slope you know it's a it's a dangerous thing you know i just hope we don't fuck things up too much but let's 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 see how it pans out you know yeah i just hope that the yeah, uh, yeah i just want to see the uh kind of you know ideas of of liberty and you know freedom of thought and all these types of things that are you know like the the basis of western you know the culture uh, we've developed uh, can uh, you know survive you know like the kind of bombardment of totalitarianism and all this kinds of stuff like uh yeah for me that's well, like the one scary of the thing things. is yeah. that sorry to interrupt you there but the scary thing here is that uh, i was sort of alluding to this in, in my previous statement here but one of the when you when you look at the way china operates and, and and when you're talking about the aspects of totalitarianism and you know like this uh, centralized government kind of system at the, at the very least within the country itself you know now now there's it's a different thing when that's global but when you've got that going on there's this um how shall i say it it's um basically if you want to compete like let's say if the united states wants to compete with china in certain aspects, it simply has to act the same way, and um, and I think that's that's an unfortunate thing, you know. So it's kind of like, how how do you win? You know what I mean? It's it's a very difficult position, you know. And uh, obviously, the United States I know is very fucking corrupt, especially now, um, you know, with whether it's the current administration or whatever, it's just it's an extremely corrupt place. I know that, but just as the as the fundamental values of the place, uh, I do still. I, I still really like that country. You know, I think uh, its core foundations and values I find are stuff that I personally feel a lot more compatible with. Yeah. Even though it's also the same country whose, um, you know, uh, whose agencies are actually uh, partially at least responsible for the downfall of Iran and uh, and and the Islamic Republic, which later took place. So um, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know both both the United States uh, and uh, and and uh, and Britain are to be blamed for that. Um, but yeah. still, I, I I do I mean I, I like both places, but America I always find that just like the idea of the constitutions very cool. You know I like yeah. that. Well, I think you know that, that's the thing that uh, the basic idea of the of this country. I I'm hundred percent. I believe like that the ideas that the founding fathers had for this country were, were, were valid ones, you know, and I think that, um, you know, and still have validity and should be protected, you know, in my opinion, but even something like what happened with them doing Iran, that in and of itself is a, uh, spitting in the face of what this country is based on, you know, like we were supposed mm. to people, this country wasn't designed to be like, doing stuff like that, you know, like that wasn't the, uh, you know, some every almost everything that we see in America today, be it 
uh, all the, the the kind of federal the way the federal government is the, so much of it is so is inherently against the idea of what the country was founded it's it's kind of become it's kind of like we're in like a i believe a very uh, dislocated state in which the basic tenets of this country have been so like bastardized by by the government itself that by you know in my opinion criminals essentially you know i think we're basically being run by criminals yeah. currently you know like that it's, you are uh, yeah it's unfortunate you know like and we literally are we're literally being you know in my opinion like being you know they're they're just using their position to make themselves money and they don't give a fuck about american americas and americans and everything like it's it's pretty uh it's unfortunate Indian. and uh it's unfortunate that the uh, that the ideas of the country have been so corrupted over time because yeah i really do believe that the central ideas of the declaration of independence and the constitution are very uh very valid you know sure i mean they're those people are playing the games and and doing so at the behest of not just their own citizens but the citizens of the world you know like those people who are playing this fucking warmongering game of the military industrial complex they all already have their own bunkers and things like that so if a nuclear war breaks off you know obviously i don't think they're purposely making a nuclear war happen at least i fucking hope not maybe yeah. they are <laughs> but they uh they already have their bunkers you know so uh if shit kicks off oh well worst case they'll have to go down there and i'm sure there's plenty of like fucking food cans and sources and shit like that for all of them and their county families but uh, the rest of the world are the ones that are gonna have to pay for it yeah it's um you know fuck those guys yeah it's a yeah it's a that's i wonder a... what would happen if everyone you know like tomorrow let's just say uh what day is it today is 22nd of august 2023 um let's say Imagine if tomorrow everyone just instead of going to work just like ambushed their their local government's offices, <laughs> you know, and then and like new like, you know, it's like hey, whoever's got the fucking button on their on their hand on, on the nuclear button, fuck you, get out of here, you know, like just go and just go and destroy all governments and and you know if everyone simultaneously were to just like, you know, uh, withdraw their money from the bank or something like that, that would be so fucking interesting if something like that happened. Right, you know, kind of, kind of... you know, like obviously logistically, this is not really, um, it's not really feasible. But I, I just wonder, you know, like all it would take is, is we don't even have to do anything, but all it would take is just for us not to participate because we forget that it's governments that need us, not the other way around. That's exactly, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's kind of, kind of twisted, you know. And then, yeah, I mean, look at what happened in uh, in Iceland, for example, where they basically overthrew their their government and installed a new one because the government fucked things up so bad you know what i mean like i think it was like <laughs> 2008 or something i mean yeah I, I was like see that's like the whole country basically like could unite and be like yeah this this government's like screwing us over we're gonna go and get rid of them and you know we're kicking everybody out and we're electing all new people to, you know what i mean <laughs> like well it's the fact that they get to you know all of the money that they're getting from you with your taxes they get to experiment on certain things do all this stuff that they don't get to that they don't tell you about so they take your money to spend it on things that they want to work on yet they don't tell you about it i mean how does that work you know like let's say for example 
if uh, let's say because sometimes I make um, poster designs and things like that for events, you know, so a lot of people, you know, commission me to make poster designs and things like that for them. Yeah. And let's say it would be like someone commissioning me and then paying me a certain amount to create that poster and then me just going off and then just never coming back to them with anything saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I am working this. I definitely spending your money on something. And then they're like, well, what are you spending it on? It's like, I can't tell you for safety and security reasons, but I'm definitely spending the money that you're giving me. <laughs> you know, that that's what it's like. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, all these projects and things like that, that, you know, they're spending it on, you know, like, uh, and then not fucking telling you about it. I've, I've never known something work like that. And then people be okay about it. It's yeah. so strange. It's very, yeah, it's very strange. I always was like confused about that. Like even when I was a kid, I always found the whole idea like very like it just didn't didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense why we even accept that. Like you know, because when you're a kid, yeah. you're just like, why do we do that? Like, what does that mean? Like, why do you give money and then they just do a bunch of bullshit? You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Like it still yeah, does exactly you yeah. know like you should be able to you know like they're your government you know like you, you they should have to hold up to your standards like they, they should be able to show you okay you know thank you person for choosing us to be your representative here's how we're using your money to spend it in such and such and such ways you know and uh you know that, that that's kind of and then getting that sort of like a mutual support going but i, I don't know i guess one day when I when I become a president myself, I'll understand why it works that way. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works that way yeah. so they can just take the money yeah, we'll, and put it in their pocket. We'll, we'll, <laughs> will be very interesting. What 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 a what a turn of events would that be? You know, if if I go from being the frontman of Trivex to the uh, president of a country or or someone in in at least an extremely powerful position of power. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if I do, I, I promise that I, I promise to do my best for humanity if that ever happens. All right. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> the, um, yeah. But yeah, the, uh, we kind of, we've spent on this conversation for like spinning off in all kinds of, all kinds of directions. So the, um, which is always good. I, that's what I like about doing this kind of podcast, just kind of like going off. Like, right, let's, let's see where we go. <laughs> Yeah, man, we're just talking about what matters because here's the thing. Obviously, I'm here and then there's the aspect of promoting the album, but also, you know, I'm, as you can see, very unfiltered. So, uh, you know, and I, I know you are as well. You know, we're, you know, we're just having a conversation here, you know, like because uh, here's the thing with music. I find sometimes it just gets harder and harder to talk about music directly because everything that I really wanted to say about it, I've already said it with the music. You know, yeah. because I've already said things that you can't put into words uh, other than, let's say, the, maybe the lyrics, you know, those riffs already speak for themselves. So um, we can obviously talk about the process and things like that. But really, the as far as a conversation is concerned, this is probably where we can really, you know, the, the talk, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to go there on, on all of these topics and subjects, you know, because it's 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 inspiring. But, you know about the music itself uh it's like i'm not going to be like oh well you know one day 
I was having a really bad time, so I ended up <laughs> sitting down by by Cubase and recording these riffs, which are now my very prized possession. You know, like that's that's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could talk about that, but it's like, what's uh, the fucking point? You know, like I whatever I wanted to say, I already said it on the album, and if people want to find out what the fuck Eloa Burns Out is about, then you know they are more than welcome to go and listen for themselves. You know, and and see what the fuck is going on. But here we go. I, I feel like with this album especially i've already said what i wanted to say on the album itself and you know people can hear it yeah and i feel like the topics of the conversation probably go in are topics that go into what the album is about anyway so it's like there you go like you know i think that um i didn't particularly talk about the u.s constitution on the record you know no but uh i guess the message of freedom (laughs) yeah but i mean earlier when we're talking about like uh death and I guess that's the sense of uh of uh yeah how death works of course. and um the uh yeah i think that um i think like what like it's like that thing like when you, you you know like if you go on um on youtube and you're like okay i want to watch some uh interviews of a band or something and you'll like start going through uh, one thing i noticed was with like all the like kind of standard issue you know video interview format type of type of things it's all like the same like 10 questions you know what i mean and it's like so fucking boring like you're like and the artist has to kind of a lot of a lot of people just kind of create like their like standard issue like answers that they do like you know like where it's like because they know they're gonna get the same 10 questions like and i just find that honestly man i don't understand why why you'd even bother doing a video an interview of any sort if it's going to be you know here's the same 10 questions of some like you know usually it's some one you know nine times out of ten is some like you know attractive woman being like so how was the album you know what i mean like like so like like this is like you can see the boredom on the artist's face like in those situations you know totally man you know i mean i'm never bored being interviewed by an attractive woman but the the thing is here that <laughs> yeah the, you know like after having to do all of the interviews that i've had to do for the album obviously part of one that we've done today because i've really enjoyed this but uh, and i expected that that uh, i would but you know, um, obviously I've had to do a high number of interviews and I think I might actually do a different approach when we do the next album. But now that I, I've had to deal with that, I understand why people find Iblis Manifestation so interesting. Now I understand why so many people are always like sending all this crazy feedback and always like, you know, like checking out like almost every single episode and then being so hooked onto it. It's because most other like formats of interviews and things like that that are out there are just so goddamn fucking boring and pointless. Like, I kid you not, I had one website where the guy, um, you know, uh, got in touch. I mean, we've got a great PR guy, you know, he's done a fantastic job for it, you know, and I have had some good interviews, but obviously I've done a high volume, you know, and obviously I would say that I always try and make him interesting and I, I speak my truth, you know, I don't bullshit or anything, but you know some of the questions like there was one website in particular where this guy got in touch and then he was like oh i would love to do an interview with trivex and things like that i was like yep no problem you know like um send it to this email this and that and then he sends across his uh, website and email and everything 
and uh oh yeah this is what it was man sorry i, I gotta retract there for a second so what happened was he said that he wanted to do an interview with Trivax. I said, okay, cool. And then I went and checked out his website. And then I noticed on the website that all of the interviews were the same questions, copy and pasted. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally the same question. Like he like just copy and pastes the same 10 questions and then sends it to all the bands. And I said to him, you know, and I, I wasn't being like a rock star or anything. It's just something that interviews are something I put a lot of time and effort and energy into because it's sort of an indirect communication with with the audience who are very valuable to me. You know, I value our audience a lot because, you know, they're they're on the other side of our coin. And, you know, um, chances are they probably had to search up the interview. So they already invested some time in reading something. So I want it to be interesting. I want it to be good for them. And when this when i saw that I, I i messaged the guy back i said listen i'm more than happy to answer any questions that you have but you gotta ask questions that are about the band i'm not you know if this is some copy and paste thing i'm not participating with all due respect and then he was like okay i appreciate that let me let me go think of some stuff and then he sent me some other questions back and then it was like all right this is there's still shitty questions, but at least it was it was actually about us. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I I know exactly what you're saying, and it's just like it's it's painful to me. You know, and like no wonder if people don't read them. And I honestly think that having a long format conversation like this uh, on podcasts and things like that, especially with people that are genuinely interested as well, it's uh, it makes a world of difference when 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 you've got that going on. You know. Yeah, it does definitely let's see okay okay cool we've got a little bit more time i uh i have a uh uh car insurance inspection on its way but it's about half an hour so we got some more time and the um sure i mean i yeah. don't know i think this is still not a bad spot probably to wrap up but obviously i'm, I'm happy to uh talk about a record and stuff as well a little bit if we want yeah we're gonna talk a little bit, talk a little bit longer the um uh yeah, the interview question thing is something that I that I've like. That's like um, why I always liked into the Necrosphere as well, like what Jackie does, and you know, like to me, like uh, I just like having conversations. Like I don't really any any kind of episode I do, I kind of just go in like maybe I'll have a few things in my mind to talk about, but generally I just kind of let it go. You know, I like, could we'll just go on and the um yeah, Jackie's very easy to talk to and uh, it's sort of like i mean it, i've had what five no i think i've had six podcast episodes with him now i think the the newest one will be coming out soon it might already be out by the time this one airs when did you say this episode is going to be airing i'll be like uh i think the second week of october so right so yeah that one will already be out by that point uh, which is one we recorded in person actually uh finally got to meet the guy in person after like spending hours talking to him on these podcasts um right it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah it was nice man they were staying at this really nice hotel I got to meet him and his uh wonderful girlfriend as well and uh yeah we got to shoot the shit obviously as always um but um but yeah he's always very easy to talk to and and you're right that's exactly what it is it's a conversation what i've started doing with iblis manifestations is just stop preparing for interviews period like sometimes I'll have like a note next to me that's got the discography of the artist just in case I need to refer to it at any point, you know, and I, I don't want to 
say the wrong album titles and shit like that and look like a douchebag but uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know especially when you got artists uh, who uh, who have got like a million different projects and bands and things like that you know uh, even if you're already a big fan of them it's sort of like it's, it's a lot to remember so uh, that's that's pretty much about the most preparation i do for it now i just let it take its own natural course as if i've just met them in like a bar or something and i'm interested to find out you know what i mean you know i don't like most of the times when when i'm having the podcast conversation uh, i pretty much don't even think that oh yeah there's someone else listening to this but of course they're more than welcome to tune in if they want you know that's kind of my mindset as if you're in like out in a public space and then someone else might hear the conversation you know what i'm saying yeah exactly yeah that's that's how i how i approach it as well yeah and i'm the same way i don't really prepare too much like I might have some some things I think like I want to talk about, but the um and when when I'm talking to artists about about new albums and that kind of stuff, I I kind of like well like talking about just the themes and that kind of stuff, like you know, unless like sometimes I'm interested, like okay, like the process of um, certain things where I'm like just because if I listen to an album, I'm like man, like the production is like really good on this, like I really like it. Like sometimes I might ask questions that that's partly just be like wanting to know like what what went into it you know what i mean <laughs> which is uh which is like yeah sure like, well, let me tell you a really interesting fact about uh about our next album yeah um so what we did for this one we recorded all of the drums and the vocals and everything like that in the uk and we still recorded the raw guitar signals in the uk too but then what i did I obviously can't go back to Iran. I haven't been back for like, what, eight, nine years at this point, if not longer. Um, I sent it to friends of mine over there who've got this underground studio of their own. And they've actually got like a bunch of fucking, uh, I think they've got like a Randall amp and a PV over there with like a Marshall cap, which I think does suit our sound. So what I did was, I sent them the dry signals of the recording of the album. So what you hear on our new album, the guitars were actually reamped in Iran. And the sole reason why I did that was obviously with sound, sound is basically vibrations in the air. So I wanted to capture the air of home, literally. So right. um, yeah, a big part of the sound of this album is basically from iran even though i wasn't there in person if that makes sense yeah that's actually really cool like i i didn't i didn't know that like i think that um it puts in the, the thought of like yeah the actual vibration of what's going on encodes itself into the music which is i'm a big believer and you know i think that the you can have you're in it's, it's intention and sound so it's like your intention going into playing the riffs transforming through this sound vibration there i think that it probably sh does show up on a kind of esoteric level on the album like you know some people might be like that's why I, like i know you know i don't know i don't like people who are like oh it doesn't matter like whatever people can't tell who cares you know like, i think that kind of thought process is very like uh very I never think like that yeah i don't think like that either because i think it's like very superficial it's very like just kind of bullshit because and then the, the product from people who think like that is usually just like that you know plastic like fucking bullshit that sounds like everyone else you know what i mean i agree yeah yeah i mean it's not 
even so much about the sound of it. Like the way I operate with art is that I add so many layers that no one will even know about. You know, that's I, I work exactly the opposite of that sort of description. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's sort of like one of my friends, Russ, he was telling me how J.K. Rollins, for example, in the case of Harry Potter, used to write all these extra parts to the story and the universe that she never included in the books. But it was purely just to sort of like feed into the idea, I guess, you know, and in case something popped up, you know, with all these like background stuff that never made it to the books, but they were all a part of the story simultaneously, you know, which I think is fascinating. And I, I think I sort of have a similar approach when it comes to Trivex, you know, and even certain ideas, like, for example, another uh, example of that would be, um, let's say, the just a photo shoot for Into the Void alone because that's the as far as i recall the only or one of the very few proper professional photo shoots we've done as a band where we're not in our stage gear yet when you listen to the ep it sounds very raw and it found it sounds really dark and kind of underground and the way the reason why i did that was to create this sort of you know how with binaural beats what you get is that you get a frequency coming in one ear and a different frequency in another ear. And the way that it works is that your mind imagines the frequency that's in between those. But by doing so, you um, you know that can create certain effects. Like it can enhance focus, but you can also um, invoke terror in, in someone's consciousness as well. So the way I did it, it was almost like how you do binaural beats, where if you look at the the pictures for into the void there we're just like they're normal in our day-to-day -day clothes in the photo shoots at the back of the vinyl especially but then when you listen to the music it's this raw and fucking esoteric piece of work so what i've done there is that i've forced the listener to take in that package and have to imagine what we now look like when performing this in our actual stage gear and in that sort of setting. Does that make sense? You know, so I'm creating that empty space for you to have to imagine it for yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I and then it... and I've 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 not really explained that obviously to anyone. It's just like a little trick that you know that that I had to myself. And most people might not even think that, but the you know, it's it's done very intentionally, you know, so sort of to the fact of you're adding in details and intentions to things without really explaining it to anyone so there's all these things beneath the realm of the art that you don't always have to see on the surface yeah well, i think that that's a that numinous level of art that that expresses itself um you know that's where i think the transfer the difference between art as product and art as uh you know music as product and music as art is you know like music as product is music that's made for people to consume in this kind of empty, vapid way, right? And then, you know, some of that music can have kind of nice sounds on the outside or something, but it's empty on the inside, where music as art is something that has these types of extra dimensions to it. It's music that transmits something. It's kind of the thing of like, uh, I always look at like, um, take an album like Demis Dearest Tom Sathanas. That album has the same feeling to me you know i've listened to that album thousands of times countless amounts of times you know and it has a certain energy to it 
that transmits itself. And anytime I listen to the album, I feel a certain energy from it, right? That's the energy mm. of the music that they created, the, the sound, the place that they created it, the time, everything like, and it transmits itself. And, oh, and even though I can't be inside other people's heads when they listen to the album, I'm talking to people, other people will get the same feeling that I get from the album. So that, that, that energy or whatever is that's encoded within it is there for real. It's not just a subjective experience. It's something that's truly encoded within that music that people feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. But listen, man, that's a, that's such a special album for me. That was, I always look at that as sort of my first, not introduction, but my first acceptance of black metal and for good fucking reason too. You know, I remember being 14 years old, sitting at the back of a car as my family were going on on a, on some trip somewhere and listening to that album and then hearing Attila's vocals for the first time and then on, on Funeral Fog and then being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, which is crazy to me because I literally just met the guy like two weeks ago. Um, I met him before, obviously, but it's just kind of cool. You know, I kind of have stuff like that always at the back of my mind. Right. And, you know, it's... Um, with that album, it's it is a very special and sinister thing, especially because just the fact that you've got both Varg and Euronymous playing on the same record is is just obviously there's there's a very obvious elephant in the room there. But you know, and then you listen, you especially think of you know like the that main bass line in Life Eternal, the you know like when you when you think of like how fucking evil and sinister that sounds and the guy who's playing that is the guy who killed the guitar player <laughs> weird fucking thing to it that's it's it's wild it's bizarre you know like that that's that's an egregore right there you know that 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 feeling that 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 thing that's captured on there is is an egregore of its own which is very fucking powerful and and yeah, you know, and, and another fun fact is when I first moved to England, on that trip, I had a very specific um, goal, which, which obviously that's, that's still my goal to this day, but was to come here and do Trivex. And I remember specifically that I had this white BC Rich guitar on my back, which I had in the in the upper luggage. Uh, trains outside of, the planes outside of Europe are a lot bigger, by the way, just for reference for anyone else listening thinking how the fuck I managed to fit it there. But, uh, you know, um, so I was going through this uh, flight and I only listened to two albums on the entirety of that journey. And these were two albums that I, I felt like. Uh, one, I guess, is not as cool as the other, although I still personally hold it in high regards, is uh, Evangelion by Behemoth. That's a good album. Very first, it's a great fucking album. Um, and, you know, it represented at least the kind of style that I wanted to create with Trivex at the time. Uh, that sort of changed over time, but I guess elements of it still remained. But but then the second album that I listened to was The Mysteries. And, you know, to me, I kept saying to myself, because I was only, like, you got to think, I, I wasn't 17 yet when I moved here yeah. on my own with a fucking BC Rich guitar on my back, you know, <laughs> getting away from the country that I was born and raised in just to come here and play fucking black metal. I mean, who, who fucking does that, right? <laughs> so, except me, maybe. But, you know, I... I I remember listening to those albums and I kept repeating this sentence to myself in English. Like I was already thinking in English by that point before I moved here and kept thinking like, 
I'm coming here for a reason. This is my goal. I know exactly what I'm coming here for, you know, and it's fucking powerful. You know, like I can't, I don't, I don't imagine there's many other 16, 17 year olds out there who ever get that degree of conviction. But for me, it was very clear. And the mysteries, uh, and, and I guess Evangelion, of course, will always have a special place for me because I always relate them to that, you know, that, that, a reminder of what the mission's all about. And then and they, they, you know, obviously, I guess the elitist would, would probably not put them next to each other, you know, but, you know, there's this power in both. And, um, yeah, it, it just has a special place in my heart, you know. So when you, when you mentioned the mysteries, you know, because that was also the same album that got me into black metal. And then that's the same album I listened to when I was on the plane to come here to play black metal. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it's great. It's a great yeah, album. There's a lot to it. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to start start closing out to you is just like that. Yeah. I always, that's one thing that I really find uh, like inspiring by your story in a sense of like coming there, knowing that this is what I want to do. I want to make black metal. I'm coming, I'm leaving my country, my birth for this reason because I can't do it there. Like, and like having that focus. And I think that with the release of the new album, I think that this is kind of like the um, next step, you know, like on your, on the journey where I think you've really, uh, I've been really excited for the album to come out because like, I felt like in into the void and the serpent's gate CP that you've released so far have really shown like what Strivex is capable of even beyond what you, you know, really beyond what you did on sin. And uh, I've been really excited to hear the full album be like, okay, here's, here's like the full like fucking full thing like this is what trivax is supposed to be in my you know that's what i feel about the album like from just from talking to you and just from listening to the music like to me that this is like the first like true expression of trivax as a full album and i think that you're only going to be going further from there you know what i mean absolutely man i really appreciate it thank you i i have to agree yes 100 percent and if you think if you like i'm sure uh, a few other people um think that that direction has been good wait until you actually hear the full album that's all i'm gonna say to that <laughs> yeah people can yeah yeah the album will be out when this comes out and uh yeah so I, uh, I hope people check it out because um i think that um that um i'm all just looking i'm excited to see what the next step is like i'm sure it'll it'll come at its own time, you know, like, hopefully you don't have to wait another, hopefully you're not going to record an album, have to wait another five years to release it. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> I think uh, hopefully this next step will be a little bit, a little bit uh, more simplified, like since you have a label now and everything, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, without sounding arrogant, um, I mean, first of all, this has been a massive learning curve for all of us, but without sounding sort of like too, sort of certain about things because you know life's never certain you never know how things are going to play out but i don't think we're going to have any problem finding a label after this one comes yeah. out and people finally get to hear it i mean azrael i mean not that not that I, these this is why i do what i do but just as like a little uh sort of a just as like a little nod i mean or just a general point Azrael, last I checked it, it had like 111,000 views on YouTube. 
Yeah. And that's only within us releasing it for a month. That's fucking crazy. Like that's a lot. <laughs> what, yeah. <laughs> we we've not we've we didn't spend we didn't like do any paid sponsored promotion or anything like that. We didn't upload it on black metal promotions. We didn't upload it on any other channel. We just put it on our own small YouTube channel. Yeah. With where its subscribers have grown like tenfold. It's that's, ridiculous. It's crazy. You I know, mean, like, that, and, and that's great, you know. Yeah, it's it's awesome, but also at the same time, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that the true success of it is really just in the fact that it was an art, it was an art form that I could stand by with total full conviction and be like, yes, I'm proud of this thing, you know. Even if only two people heard it, I would still, you know, whatever. But the fact that make it like, you know, over a hundred thousand people is like, well great you know or if it's a million people fine that's great too you know or if it's 10 people do you know, do you know what i'm saying you know like yeah. that's really good but it's a bonus it's more like a logistical bonus because at the end of the day it's all about ex- doing it for the art and expressing the art and being happy with it which the, the video for israel or the album eloa burns out as it stands i couldn't be any more fucking proud of it so there we go that's awesome, yeah. And I think it's gonna. I yeah. I my prediction is gonna be a successful album. And like you said, I don't think, I don't think you're gonna have problems after this, yeah. Because I think everything worked out the way it was supposed to, though. That you know, mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah, worked yeah. out. It's, it's and, a very strange one, you know. Like we we had so many moments where we were like, "Fuck, are we ever gonna release this?" And now I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm glad this happened the way it did." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and of course, you yeah. can't rule out the. You're very wise uh, decisions with you know the way you did stuff with into, into the void and everything as well but that's also you responding to the situation that you're in and making the right choices mm-hmm. and that's, that's a big part of it so thank you yeah i, I think so too but uh, it's obviously it's great to have that acknowledged but yeah i i think it, it it pretty much worked out as best as it could have done really i can't complain yeah exactly well it's been great having you on cheyenne and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be doing this again at some point, I'm sure. So, Awesome, brother. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. You know, you should uh, come and join me on Iblis Manifestation sometime. Yeah, anytime. Continue it there. Yeah, just let, let me know. We can schedule something and do it for Iblis. I'd be happy to. So, okay, man. Just let, yeah, good. Just yeah, let thank me know. You, thank you. Yeah, I will do. And, and thank yeah. you for uh, for uh, inviting me. I, I really enjoyed uh, tonight's podcast. This was one, one of my favorite ones I've done in a while. So appreciate awesome. it. Yeah, appreciate you being on and I'll talk to you later. All right. All right.